travelers. Rich, do the intro. <laughs> it's like just long enough to be on work. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Rich. I'm Welcome, weary travellers. Once again, you found your way to the tavern with no name, mainly because I can't remember if I gave it a name last episode. <laughs> Pull off your plus one warmth cloak, your giant mech armour, with the can opener arm, or the pelt of a werewolf with only two silver bullet holes in it. Damn! Come buy yourself a drink, or buy two, get one free on a Thursday, because it's ladies and liches night. Oh! I don't know who I want to date more. <laughs> Leave your troubles at the door. Not because this is a place of rest, but because the three scribes are here to tell you three bitchin' rump tales of fantasy, horror, and science. <laughs> Whatever that is, I assume something to do with newfangled leeches. <laughs> get it! a little Reese's I did, I did. And remember, a tip is often customary at the end of the story. Coin or penis, it's your choice. Oh! <laughs> Welcome to Bros Before Pros, uh, the comedy fiction podcast with two prompts, three stories and infinite laughs. I'm one of your hosts, Rich, and with me as always is Josh. Yeah, what's up? <laughs> and Jeff. Whatever, I'm a bad boy now. Yeah, he's the fucking Green Ranger of this podcast. Uh, uh. <laughs> Rest in peace. You know what's the most fucked up thing about that tavern is that it's modern day. Yeah, yeah, it's just down the road from me. <laughs> I mean, it's England, so you're gonna have a certain amount of werewolf patrons. Oh, I'm gonna tell you an interesting story right off the bat. If I do this say so myself, there is, a, there is a a pub near us that has a um, open well in it, uh, but it's covered over with glass to stop people falling in. But they can't fill in the, the well because they don't know how structurally sound it is. And if they fill it with concrete, <laughs> it might pull the building down. <laughs> Dude, has your country ever thought about not being a thousand years old? Um, so, uh, like, the place—if you go any further into the west, into further into the west, where I live, the west. Um, yeah. there's so many mine shafts in Cornwall and places, and all the places surrounding it that, yeah. like, that they have to. Every house has to be radon detected to make sure there's no like poisonous oh, gas yeah, in that, your house. That happens here too. Yeah, we a do lot that too. Yeah, also asbestos. <laughs> yeah, also, let me tell you about Centralia, Pennsylvania. <laughs> you know about that, right? Um, no. No. It's the town that's on fire underground in oh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Oh, I've heard about that, yeah. Look, it's I've like got the a basis story, too. Of, yeah. Oh, cool, yeah. All right. <laughs> There's a McDonald's in Fritoche, Italy, that has a skeleton on display. Oh, I know it's this! Yeah! With a glass case over it, because they legally can't move it. They can't move it. It's <laughs> so weird. That's awesome, that man. That is the the most franchise-friendly skeleton that ever existed. <laughs> Damn, you know your continent is old when you got skeletons in your McDonald's, Put a, man. Put a uniform on that bitch. Yeah, so yeah, McNugget. Put to work. <laughs> put that skeleton man to work. Um, this week, our prompts were banquets and keys. So we can or attack. feasts and yeah, Why do I always write down the wrong one? Is it feasts? Because Rich always changes it on the 
fucking episodes when we do it. Yeah, it's wait, a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This episode, like last oh, time, yeah, it was like, it is. our props are uh, dogs and butts. And I, I, wait I a tick. <laughs> wait a minute. So Jake Anderson, Jake Demon Flayer Anderson, um, put banquets stroke feasts, which is why I've written a banquet. It's the same fucking thing. A feast, a banquet is a type thing. of feast. You ever been to a stroke feast? <laughs> <laughs> I've been to a stroke, stroke fest. Feast. A stroke feast. That's the ye olde name for an orgy. A stroke feast. <laughs> stroke feast. Please write to your name on my stroke card so we may stroke together later. Um, it's my turn to go first this week, isn't it? Yeah. That's okay. what we said. <clears throat> so, strap in. Or strap on. Whatever you want strap to do. Strap on, yeah. Get comfy. Um, my story comfy. is called... Comfy? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. My story is called Humanum Ex Machina. Oh. That means human in the machine. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> I know Latin. The Technomancer sat ill at ease on his throne of skulls. Most of the skulls were Dump. real, but when they'd finished building the thing, started building the thing, he had been forced to send Cyborg Steve down to Hoblin Lobby to get some craft <laughs> materials. <laughs> I do not shop there. And they'd had to spend a day together making papier-mâché skulls to finish the throne off. Can you say papier-mâché again, please? No, I can say it's it's intended in the French (laughs) papier-mâché. I'm pretty sure that would be like papier. All right, all right. Frenchy Pennington. You just use the fact that it's French to take up for yourself, you fucker. (laughs) One thing we can all agree on, guys, is fuck the French, all right? Let's not let the French tear us through. (laughs) The Technomancer swore to himself back then that he'd replace the skulls with real ones one day, but he knew he was too lazy and old to do that now. Plus, it would have hurt Steve's feelings if he had thrown away their hard work, and Steve had just spent the whole five hours they'd spent crafting crafting, talking about his dead wife and kids that the Technomancer had probably killed to make this skull chair anyway. (laughs) Oh my god! So he really wondered how far he could push it. I I like how the Technomancer has, like, some empathy, apparently. (laughs) The Technomancer, just a guy, kind of empathizing with him a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, kind of like him now. It had been a couple of trying centuries for the Technomancer, fighting a war across the galaxy. Even keeping track of all he had done had given him a migraine. He got up from the Mm. throne, the, the throne squeaking as he did, and stepped over to his whiteboard. He picked up a post-it note off the board marked Destruction of the Dukes of Lead and sighed before scrunching it and dropping it to the floor, where one of the small one of the small rumbers he held under his thrall sucked it up. He's <laughs> in post-it notes. <laughs> He's old school. No answer. Yeah, but have like an iPad or no? Anything? Yeah, no. He's um, a traditionalist in his planning. Like Man, a, I like don't even use post-it notes. <laughs> he likes scrapbooking. It's a technomancer. You can't oh, techno he is everything. evil. He fucking is evil, dude. All right, I don't empathize with him anymore. <laughs> yeah, scrapbooking is for psychopaths. Morning, master. Came a childlike voice behind him. That was Count- childlike. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's childlike for a beast. <laughs> Count Chundle came stomping in. <laughs> His footfalls shaking the Techno Tower trademark to the foundations. He was once 
He was once a humanoid man, but years of experimentation had significantly increased his muscle mass to the cost of his brain. I can relate to that. <laughs> Juicing every day. Um, Chundle, we've talked about this. Tippy toes and inside voices in the Technomancer, Techno Tower trademark. I'm getting a strong Rich had to watch his son vibe this week. Every, this is every story. <laughs> the Technomancer shook his head. You just couldn't technologically inhabit and enthrall the dead staff these days. <laughs> I shook my head at that one. <laughs> that was good. Sorry, my lordliness of evil and all things terrifying in the U. You know what? Most days I lap this up, Chundle, but I'm having a bit of a crisis today. <laughs> so let's just skip all the bootlickery for now. Oh, yeah, bootlickery. He rubbed his chin with a bony chrome finger, scratching at what he thought was a zit before realising it was just a rivet. <laughs> Why wouldn't he know? Why wouldn't he know? <laughs> I take it the mission was a success. Chundle smiled broadly. You must be glad to have gotten rid of all that paper. It was at this point <laughs> the Technomancer realised he should have given Chundle and his other generals at least some autonomous thinking parameters in order for them to accurately process nuance. He, <laughs> he sighed. Yes, Chundle, my long war is at an end. With the death of the cyborg, Aichong Gunde, the last Duke of Lead is now gone. Now every corner of the universe is under my control, or without suitable resistance. Damn, he did it! Damn, he won? He won. <laughs> As the Technomancer said the words, he realised the real problem. He was bored. It was time to refresh. Time to start a new universe. That's great, Master, Chundle smiled. The lack of battle has meant I've had the time to take up new hobbies. I made you this. Chundle pulled a misshapen crocheted hat from behind his back and pulled it onto the Technomancer's head, instantly <laughs> ripping it as it got caught on one of the ram horns on the side of his helm. <laughs> oh, he didn't make holes for the horns. After he put it on, he stepped back to assess his work and smiled. You look great. I look like I a teapot. I love you, Chundle. <laughs> I look like a sinister teapot. Thank you, Chundle. The Technomancer strode past him, eager to get away to avoid having to turn him into scrap metal, but hovered in the door before he left. Do you know where my son is today? <laughs> Heath sat cross-limbed in the... Heath! <laughs> Heath! What an evil name. Heath sat cross-limbed in the secure mainframe stacks. His eyes rolled back in his head. He had been told many times that his this way of absorbing information was, quote, creepy and weird, but he couldn't find the protocols to care. He simply had to absorb all this data before his father found out what he was doing. There was too much to learn, and the Technomancer hated sharing knowledge. He was currently plugged into the history databanks, learning about his father's decimation of Ithia, his expert strategies that had given him his first army. Although, honest to goodness, the entries were so self-indulgent for a technological being. If the information was a sound file, it probably would have been accompanied by a full marching band. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the British equivalent of ostentatious. Since marching band. <laughs> I mean, you don't you don't make a big deal about anything in Britain, except racism. No, you don't even laugh at jokes. No. I learned that the fucking hard no, way. No, we don't. 
we go. <laughs> that was quite humorous. Yeah, there's no evidence of Rich busting a gut for nine straight episodes or anything. No, no. Rich isn't British. That's the biggest compliment I could ever give anyone. Josh has to, uh, Josh has to edit an, a random person's laughter into the episodes. Yeah, I had to like, like splice together several British laughs to create a f- new Rich laugh file. Josh just turns the pitch up or down on my joke, on my laughing, and doubles it. (laughs) (laughs) Since his creation by the Technomancer, Heath had devoted all runtime possible to the accumulation of knowledge. He did not understand his father's methodology for bringing order to life, but then he wasn't designed to understand much of anything outside of obeying. That is precisely why he had so many questions. His Shakespearean flaw, he supposed. Master, he comes. Heath's eyes rolled forward like the reels on a slot machine until the terrified face of Manservant 107 came into focus. (laughs) He knew the look, knew what the words meant. The Technomancer had arrived. Heath disconnected from the private files and opened a file his father had written called The Bar Chart of the Deal. (laughs) Oh my god. Oh, he, I, never mind. Fuck this He guy. is pure fucking evil. What a piece of shit. <laughs> the Technomancer rounded the doorway with a look of fury and a flourish of his tattered cape. Always a one for a touch of over-dramatisation. <clears throat> Heath, why are you in my private archives? You've been told about these transgressions. And uh, if you find a folder marked incredibly private dot do not open, please don't open it. It has Christmas lists and uh, my diary. Yes, that will do. New folder. (laughs) Cool stuff. Stuff. (laughs) The master was just 107 began before the Technomancer cracked him across the face with a backhand, sending him hurtling into the memory banks. Heath stood to defend his friend, but 107 held a hand up. Do not presume to tell me anything, you carbon-based mistake, the technomancer sneered. Worthier detritus than you has been wiped from toilet bowls of history. Damn. Detritus, I love (laughs) it. Fucking scundered. (laughs) Dude, that is so ducksin of him. What do you require, father? Heath wanted the spotlight, the accusation, the anger focused on him. That chrome skull turned towards Heath, and it still stirred an uneasiness in him, as it had in his early years. The visage of death, the disapproving hollow eyes, the lack of compassion, the the plain freakiness of a chrome-horned skull staring at him. (laughs) (laughs) The feast is in four hours. Oh, I actually wrote feast. Oh, nice. oh my god! Yay. Good even... job. <laughs> well done, me. Accidental idiocy. Yay. Failing upwards. <laughs> <laughs> That's the plan. <laughs> the feast is in four hours, and you are unprepared. Your ceremonial robes are undonned. Your shell unclean. Your power source not fully charged. You should be attending to these things, not indulging your snooping curiosity. Father, Damn. I am. The Technomancer wrapped a hand around his son's throat. Though old, the strength he drew from his thralls was still considerable. I do not have to share you the luxury of indulgence. I need you ready. You are mine. Act as such. And never let me see you in here again. Well, how's he going to look at the cool stuff folder? He can't. (laughs) He's going to have to make up his own cool stuff. Oh, God. Start over. (laughs) 
With that, he was gone, his cape flowing behind him, but that wasn't surprising as he turned on the turbines that were integrated into his back to give him gravitas. (laughs) (laughs) This tiny hand fucker. (laughs) Heath immediately ran over to 107, his steps sounding like Robocop because he had altered his servos back in his teens and still thought it sounded cool. (laughs) It does. It does. 107 took his outstretched hand and rose to his feet, wiping the blood from his mouth. He was wrong to, Heath began, what, subjugate every single life in the universe? Wipe every culture and everything of significance away? Art, expression, that picture of the dogs playing poker? (laughs) God, we don't have that anymore? Fuck, we have fallen. (laughs) It's like Rome. The collapse of Rome. I don't want to live anymore. (laughs) It's just burning and... His mouth twisted in a pained expression, trying to stop himself, but failing. Treating his son like a possession? Heath watched 107, the despair on his face plain. It was understandable in many ways, but couldn't he see that the Technomancer was trying to bring order to an unordered galaxy? My, my father desires to assist, to help bring balance and parity. 107 mm-hmm. laughed, though there was no humour in it. That sure was a balanced backhand he just gave me. <clears throat> Damn. Heath turned, busied himself with putting away the things he had brought to the mainframe. You you are my friend, 107. I respect your right to live, and I try to treat you like an equal when I can. But your job is as valet to me. You are overreaching. Your place in the order of things. Heath strode to he- Heath strode to the table and pushed the books away from him, slamming them down on the table. That was a bad use of the secondary word Sorry. table, but we'll just Sorry. forgive that. Um <laughs> My place should not be set. And who's deciding this order? Do you, ever ev- do you ever even ask yourself if it's ethical that the person at the top has made himself the authority on all things in the universe? This is a little too American for <laughs> me, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> not just American. It translates. Yeah. Heath turned away. You should leave me now. I am not finding this conversation conducive to an organised calm. 107 turned and left. When there's no one left but him, it will be as organised a calm as you can hope for. It was cold in the catacombs of Techno Tower trademark. But <laughs> I, I, I do this. This isn't going to stop, I warn you. I really want a shirt of this. I want a Techno Tower trademark shirt. <laughs> But luckily, the last remnants of dwarven flesh that had once covered Timmy Blackcrest's body had long ago rotted and flayed away. Apart from the internal organs that beat within his metal shell, he was all machine now. And yet, he felt the cold and wondered if it wasn't so much the temperature as the hate that poured from his prisoner. A hate that was frigid and deadly. As he approached the cell, a glow began to emanate from the room. She was awake. He hesitated. Something about the being's unclassifiable nature had always caused him to evaluate his next move carefully. I know you're there, Timmy Blackcrest, or are you more of Eden, that rogue AI today? A voice came to greet Mm -hmm. him, and he screwed his courage to the sticking place in his central core and entered the room. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I am the Technomancer, the doom of all that is, he declared. Ah, so you're the scared dwarven child today, I see. Dutes Bardley nice. sat behind a dampening field, her decades of solitary confinement doing nothing to dampen her radiance. 
Dutes is back, people. Um, Dutes! Oh my god, Dutes is back. Locked up for decades? <clears throat> oh my god. Rich, She's... if this story goes the way I think it's going. Yeah, I do not like this. <laughs> you little bastard man. Don't be ducksent, Rich. Come on. She sat on a corner cot, <laughs> not looking at her tormentor. I have come to tell you that this game of ours ends today, Dutes. I am transferring. You finally going to stop being a D-bag? <laughs> she still refused to look at him. <clears throat> she still refused to look at him, the annoying little glowworm. Instead, she stared off at an air vent behind him, hoping to irritate him. Little too late for that, boner face. <laughs> damn! Ooh, damn. You slaughtered or stomped half the life in the galaxy. Including your friends, he grinned. <gasps> Dutes turned to him, her face brightening. You want to rile me, get some satisfaction out of me, but it won't play that way. My friends live on happily in countless other realities you can't hope to touch. She closed. Oh God, multiverses. She closed her eyes as if to watch them in her mind's eye. There's a reality where Lionel and Ellie make small robot babies, where Hallie Swiftfeather leads glorious battle against you, or where Mookie. She stopped, emotion getting the better of her. She, he remembered the Omnisia how they had refused to let their powers be taken, so he had pulled their wings from her bo their body and burned it to ash. <gasps> Rich, I hate you. What the fuck, Rich? This Rich, reality... <laughs> <laughs> this reality is done, Bardsley. Order prevails, and tonight when my body is new and my spirit reborn, I will have exactly what I need to make you do what I want. Something I've been working on for nearly a century. He reached into his cloak and pulled out a shard of pure energy that crackled and glowed, holding it in front of her. There was no need to explain what it was. Her shocked face already knew, and in that look she confirmed his reasoning. This key would not only allow his transference, it would let him absorb the Nexus and all her powers, and in turn reach into every single reality and bring order to all. Oh my god. The macrocosmos would bend before him like reeds in a river of rage. He would kill the very idea of the Dukes of Lead. He would destroy the Mothman prophecies before they were conceived. <laughs> so funny every time. <laughs> he would slaughter Tamiya Santo's entire ancestral line. And he would spend a long time in that reality where the McRib was a permanent menu item. <laughs> oh my god! Why would you do yeah, that? No, he's, he's a villain. Evil as shit, man. Um, the McRib is only good to people who've horrible. never had ribs. It's horrible. The it's McRib horrible. is disgusting. It's fucking dog food, yeah, man. That's what it smells like. It smells like dog yeah, food. It's dog food. <laughs> he placed the energy key on the table in front of her cell and gave her one last smirk. See you again tomorrow. Don't worry if you don't initially recognise me in my new body. I'll be the one standing over you and removing you from existence. Woo! He left, I'll smirking to him. himself. <laughs> <laughs> He's gone now, Duke spoke to the vent in the wall. Creaking metal released from the channel in the wall and the vent cover fell to the floor in a crash. A muck-covered humanoid backed out of the duct and lowered himself to the floor, then tried to brush the dust from him but it was no good. 107's servant's mock, smock was grime-stained. I heard everything. What's our next step? Next step? Dutes exclaimed. The same step that's always been there waiting for you to climb it. Kill Heath. 
That way, that techno yeah. twat can't transfer, can't absorb <laughs> my powers, and can't doom every single morsel of life in the macrocosmos. Kill Heath, kill Heath, kill Heath. <laughs> 107 shook his head, scrabbling for reason. I've been trying to teach him to convince Heath that... Do you know what Heath means in Dwarven 107? I don't. Dute stepped forward to the dampening field as close as she could muster, hoping proximity would make him hear, hear him hear her better. It's derived from heng, meaning halfling in Dwarven. His name literally means half empty. Oh my god. That's fucked up. Heath was built to be a vessel. He needs something poured into him to be whole. You cannot. Jizz. You don't. Jizz. Is it jizz? He's a cum bucket, Josh. yeah. Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, was that inappropriate? No, that was it was an inappropriate joke for a Christian podcast. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Jesus. <laughs> Say free Hail Marys and, you know, atone. <laughs> I, did, I was so clueless on that religious thing there. I was just like, so uh, you got it, you got it. I do that all the time. You cannot. You don't have the capacity to change Heath's opinion of his father. He will not help us in his current state. She sighed, so annoyed at the constant need to have this conversation. Have you heard from the last resistance cell? 107 hung his head. Gunday and the last of the new Dukes of Lead were wiped out this morning. They're not coming. He laid a trap and he slaughtered them all. Dutes took a deep what? breath. It was all she could do to stop herself from collapsing. Then it's time, 107. We stop him or existence is forfeit. 107 looked up, his face half-lit by the key floating just above the table, and Dutes realised what he was planning a fraction before he realised. As she sounded a protest, as she pointed out what this course of action might mean, he had scooped up the key and scurried back into the vent. After he was out of sight, she smiled. It was finally happening. She took a piece of paper from her pocket and unfolded it. On it was a rubbing of the message Mookie had scratched into her keytar axe nearly 200 years ago. Oh my god. She missed her friend, and she kissed the piece of paper tenderly and knew that they would be together soon. What? He fucking suck, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking suck, Rich. Heath sat cross-legged <laughs> in his bedroom, staring at the robes his father had prepared for him. The day's events weighed heavily on his mind, even more so than Fermat's unsolved theorem or why Lost had ended in such a disappointing fucking fashion. <laughs> Take that, Lost. Both things he had devoted significant runtime to since his creation. <laughs> the way in which his father had reacted to his being in the mainframes had been expected, but the brutality had been unsettling even for him, the man who had once created a giant foosball table out of real humans. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> what a way to go, though. <clears throat> fucking snap your back, yeah. <laughs> he pulled on his robe and went to the charging station, then, and then plugged himself into the cradle and stopped. He should recharge. He knew he should. He had been ordered to. But something nagged at him, a splinter in his programming. The files he had taken from the mainframe still sat in his downloads folder, along with some very questionable video files of USBs being suggestively plugged into stuff, marked... Oh my god. <laughs> marked Christmas list or diary. 
<laughs> All right, that was good. <laughs> Searching the registry, he found the first recorded file of the Technomancer and opened it. A flood of information assailed his processors, of a grief-ridden dwarven child packed with a murderous artificial intelligence, sorrow and cruelty mixing to create something truly terrible. A cycle of sorrow, the abused growing into abuser, with no end in sight. His father was a tyrant, a perpetual source of despair. Gasping though he didn't need to breathe, shaking though he didn't have muscles, sick though he had no stomach, he forced himself back into reality. 107 stood over him, offering a helping hand, and Heath took it and brought himself to his, th- his, his feet. I thought I had burned a bridge with you, 107. My real name's Aaron, he smiled. At least it was before I was given a number. We're friends for now, Heath, don't worry, but I need your help if we're going to stay that way. I cannot rebel against the Technomancer, Aaron. I do not possess the ability to process the hatred needed for him. I think in binary, one or zero, soup or salad, tea or all other inferior beverages. <laughs> Damn. The Rich Master's original story. <laughs> Fucking Rich Master's trademark. <laughs> Aaron hung his head. Then she was right. What do you mean? Heath began, but was overcome with telemetry from his midsection. As he looked down, Aaron had stabbed him in the stomach with what looked like a shard of energy his hands still wrapped around it. As Heath fell, Aaron joined him, both of them losing consciousness together. The assembly for the feast had arrived. The Technomancer's generals arriving early as all true villains do. (laughs) (laughs) Don't fucking arrive late early to a party, you inconsiderate pricks. (laughs) What kind of fucking etiquette-ass shit are we getting into now? I agree. There was Kid As Hitler. A perpetually late fucker, I agree. That, that's fine. Late is fine. Don't arrive Late's early. Fine, yeah. Don't arrive Early's early bad. at all. That's rude. Yeah. That's ruder than late. That's ruder than not going. Well, who, like, so who gets to be first then? The person who arrives after the time you said the party is. Oh my god. This, I, I'm going to remember this, I guess, mm-hmm. because I'm coming over later. <laughs> you can come over now. Now you won't be early. <laughs> I saved you from bad manners. You are Thank welcome. Josh crawls through the chimney like at four a.m. <laughs> Hello. As long as he's not early. <laughs> Is this the right chimney? Is this the servants' chimney? <laughs> <laughs> it's the one at the back. Yeah, it's definitely that one. <laughs> there was Kid Hitler, the reincarnated head. <laughs> The reincarnated head of the 14th Reich, who sat in his stroller, attended by his assassin nanny, the Kindersitter. <laughs> the Kindersitter! That hit me like a fucking right hook. And I couldn't even react to it. Kid Hitler. Now, you know how I feel when you guys make a really good... And I just sit there. Just, yep, that yep. was too good to laugh at. <laughs> yep. Next to him, in deep conversation, was the Lord of the Deep, Baron Bass. And Lord Nigel, the Aristotyrant, polishing his death ray monocle as he laughed with the Baron about the sacking of the lesser planets of the outer worlds. <laughs> death ray monocle. Frankie Fourfeathers, the Mafia Parrot. 
That so one hit me too. That was, no, that was a left <laughs> hook. Uh-huh. Was, was regaling laser fists with a story about poisoning a city's water supply when the scarlet cape skipped over to cor- correct a grammatical error in his story and everything nearly kicked off. In one, in another corner of the room. <laughs> in another corner of the room, the techno witch J.K. Rowling was talking to Gerald. <laughs> She's canon in this universe. Oh my god. <clears throat> was talking to Gerald Jelly Skellyman. <laughs> what the fuck is this? Laying out her plans for a world without trans people, leading Gerald to make a gesture to the guards and get her rejected from the banquet. Everyone cheered. Oh. There's villainy. Wow. There's villainy and then there's JK Rowling, and these people need had an image to maintain. <laughs> Damn, man. The Technomancer kicks you out. At least she wasn't early. <laughs> At Jesus least. Christ. There's Dave an evil who... too evil, it turns out. <laughs> too evil? Yeah. Dave, who dressed like a pirate but wasn't actually a villain with any sort of maritime theme. The grey woman, <laughs> who was listening to Radiohead and sobbing. And the rhyme yep. killer, who made beats so violent your future kids felt them. Damn, <laughs> that's awesome. Fuck. Yeah. Were all sat at the table making angry eyes at each other. They may have all been the Technomancer's lieutenants, but they were still distrusting and selfish, especially when it came to who got the biggest portions at dinner. (laughs) What are they eating? (laughs) Also, the commissioner of the LAPD was there, because (laughs) ACAB. Oh, my God. (laughs) Get it. We hit hit him. (laughs) In the first story, it's done. Done yep. now. Got it, References got it out of the way early. As, as the dinner bell sounded, all the participants rushed to the table and an ominous hush fell upon the gathering. Cyborg Steve came from the open hallway and announced the arrival of the Technomancer, throwing a smoke bomb to the floor. <laughs> but he'd miscalculated the fuse length, and when the Technomancer awkwardly poked his head around the doorway to ask if something had gone wrong, the bomb exploded and gave him a face full of fog. <laughs> <laughs> rehearsal boys gotta rehearse it <laughs> Technomancer coughed and spluttered his way to the table using his cape to fan his face when he regained co- his composure he lifted a glass my subordinates I've gathered you all here to... <coughs> good god cyborg Steve what did you put in that smoke bomb it tastes like a fire demon took a dump in my mouth <laughs> yeah he knows what that tastes like <laughs> Jesus Christ. I thought the Technomancer was this like, omnipresent evil scary guy and it turns out he's Skeletor? <laughs> I was I was watching way too much Venture Brothers when I was uh, yeah, writing. I was getting I was getting a venture with Kid Hitler for sure. Yeah, like, absolutely. Dude, that's venture Brothers. But he Fuck. became the monarch in my head. <laughs> he cleared his throat and recommenced his speech. You're all here for a very special event. Now this reality is finally ours. It's time for my son. He looked over to where Heath should have been sat, only to find J.K. Rowling had snuck her way back in. After she'd been ejected via the highest window, he called for Steve. (laughs) Jesus. Where is my son? He demanded through gritted teeth. The level four alarm sounded. Alarms reserved for imminent attack, cold callers, when people said, supposedly, or a prison break. Now I'm going to be very self-conscious that I don't say that. (laughs) Technomancer marched out of the room and up the West Tower to his son's rooms, leaving a bemused set of guests wondering if they would ever get to eat. 
as the technomancer tore the door to his room off its hinges, he saw two Damn. things. His son's human manservant lying dead upon the floor and his energy transference key drained of all its energy next to him. Rushing to the body, he noticed that the humanoid was not just dead. He had no life force, no memory, no neurochemical reaction. He had been drained of everything. Jizz jizz? <laughs> Even his ball sack, yeah. <laughs> Even his ball sack was drained. Weird that he checked it. Yeah, Transference of the ball just sack. To. <laughs> Dutes, he muttered, eyes murderous. What is your plan? Do you even have one? Dutes said as she was carried up and out to the battlements of Techno Tower trademark in Heath's arms. <laughs> it was raining in sheets of water, soaking them both through. Dutes hadn't felt the rain for decades. It was glorious. I do not know. These feelings of rebelliousness are quite new to me. 107 couldn't have planned for my feeling for my feeling so anxious and desperate, could he? Heath was like a lost child, see- seeing the world for the first time. Dutes smiled. He reminded her of a certain friend of hers. I don't know. I think that's exactly what he had planned when he transferred his life force to you, she smirked. They stopped suddenly, and before she could ask why, Dutes noticed the army of degenerates at the end of the walkway between Techno Tower trademark and the front barbican. Ding, ding. Fact of the day, the building carrying a portcullis and a drawbridge is called a barbican. This is where the more you know style would fly by if we had a VFX budget. (laughs) <laughs> you do have that budget but your vfx man is really lazy <laughs> is that where barbecue comes from uh i don't know but the building a portcullis and the drawbridge is in is called a barbican i'm gonna that's gonna save we're gonna win a million dollars on who wants to be a millionaire right <laughs> I just pictured all three of us in the seat, like, hanging oh my God, yeah. the sides up. <laughs> Dude, we talk about this on Continue all the time. Like, what if we were on, like, like Wheel of Fortune? It'd be a disaster. Yeah, it would. <laughs> we would just be talking. It would be insane. <laughs> As Heath turned in panic, an army stood behind them, too. The Technomancer, technomancer at the head. I'd say I didn't know what possessed you, but I know all too well. That key was meant to give you power. He shouted through the rain, glaring at Dutes. He flowed Dutes to the ground behind him and protected her with his frame. That power you speak of was at the cost of all I am. The Technomancer took a step forward, the army at the rear closing in as well. Irrelevant. You were created to be a vessel and nothing more. You are mine. There's nowhere to go. I wouldn't say that. Dutes drew a circle with a finger on the floor beside her, the shape crackling in sparks as she did. Stop her! The technomancer screamed, his fury a balm to her years of torture. As the portal between worlds opened and laser flyer, laser fire flew towards them, holy shit! Dutes grabbed Heath and threw him downwards, pushing something into his hands. Find them all. Tell my friends I. A laser blast ripped through Dutes at the midsection. Oh my god! Her eyes widening temporarily in shock before a smile crept across her lips. Her golden light faded as her body crumpled to the ground and Heath reached for her, feeling a desperation, a loss that he could not explain. As the light left her eyes, the portal closed behind Heath to the sound of the Technomancer's frustrated cries and he was plunged into nothingness. Heath woke to the sound of buzzing and birdsong and forced himself into a sitting position. If his internal temperature gauge was anything to go by, this was a swamp and a particularly humid one at that. He stood... 
eager to find out where he was, but didn't recognise any of the local flora or fauna, and the frequency of ambient energies had changed. What is it? A deep guttural voice asked. Heath turned to see a band of travellers. A man-sized frog bat in a large, studied, (laughs) hexagonal club into his open palm, stood next to a jelly skelly man of lurid orange consistency, his disconnected... His disconnected neon bones floating in the slime. That's awesome. Next to them hovered a bluish shimmer, which became a... uh, Fuck's sake. Next to him hovered a bluish shimmer, which became a cloaking robe as the human woman threw it back to a spark of electricity and brandished a pair of repeating crossbows at him. Next to her was a woman with long ears in a ranger's armour, holding a sword and a shield and looking as furious as he's ever seen anyone outside of his father. When she spoke, her voice was akin to crushed velvet, but there was an edge to it, clipped and and suspicious. Speak soft, stranger. You're either lost or an agent of our prey. She pulled the sword up. I do not know where I am. What country is this? Heath took a step forward only for the sharp edge of an axe to press against his chin. There was someone behind him. I don't know, General Swiftfeather. This one looks mighty (sighs) shiny to me. The voice was familiar, but he couldn't put his finger on it. Calm yourself, Doots. Another voice came from behind him. This isn't the time for anger. Halley needs us ready for anything. Heath turned quickly, no thought of his neck against the blade. Doots, I thought you died. He embraced her, only for the band to draw their weapons at him. Doots' companion, a giant moth, snatched the piece (gasps) of paper from his hand and stared at it before showing Doots. The pair looked shocked. Where did you get this? Doots demanded. You just gave it to me before you pushed me through that portal. Doots flipped the axe, which was in reality a musical instrument he'd never seen before. Yeah! On the reverse, the message scratched there matched the one on the scrap of paper he had been given. I can explain, Heath muttered, before the frogman's club knocked him into standby mode. To (laughs) be continued. Holy Oh my god! That was amazing! Yeah, I went light on the jokes that time. Um, Because I need to get the story moving. (laughs) It was still very funny. Good. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, no, it was great. I didn't. Here comes the cops, the funny police. Oh, no. I was on the edge of my seat that whole fucking thing, man. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It took us 200 years in the goddamn future or whatever. I dazed a future past us. (laughs) Yeah. Fucking portals and shit. (laughs) There we go. Yeah, um, I had the. Amazing. I I wanted to write a terrible. Technomancer as the monarch story, but I realised the only way I could do it is if I made him really old and senile. Um, yeah, so I just I just pushed him into the future. Um, but yeah, I was afraid of this guy. I thought this dude mm. was going to destroy the universe, but he's he's yeah. the monarch. It turns out he's <laughs> complaining oh. about like the heat being too high and shit. Like he's <laughs> fucking dead. He'll go back to being a horrible monster. Uh, next episode. Don't worry. Will he? Yeah. Tune in next time. <laughs> no, to you're find not. Out. You're supposed to. Oh my god. You know what? <laughs> Don't listen to Rich. Tune in next time to find out. <laughs> Rich doesn't know shit. Listen next time. <laughs> he will if I remember. <laughs> if the right prompts go. come up, who knows? If, if the monarch comes up as a prompt, I guess you gotta go back. Uh. So I got my bloodthirstiness out of the way, and all the yeah, characters are okay. I killed you everyone. Killed everyone. 
Yeah, you really loopholed the shit out of yeah. that one. Now I can. I don't now know I if can you rest. folks know this because you don't get to peek into our DMs. But most of our conversations are Rich talking about how much he wants to kill and how fucking bloodthirsty yeah. he is. Yeah. It's a really big red flag that we're both choosing to ignore. <laughs> I want to hear the lamentations of our listeners. <laughs> Cross your enemies before you. And every so often, Rich also says, so when are you guys coming to England? Like, right in the middle yeah. of talking about it. <laughs> Do you have any emergency contacts? Can I be them? <laughs> What? What's yeah, that? You sure, can hear? What, what? You can't hear anything. That's just me sharpening something. <laughs> <laughs> How would you tell the truth? <laughs> it's just me sharpening something. Sharpening my shovel for gardening purposes. Sharpening my Wit. chimney shovel. Ah. <laughs> uh. That was excellent, Rich. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you. Uh, again, a story that could not be told in under 10 pages, unfortunately, but never mind. That's just the well, my, length now. My story is seven and a half. I, I was like, I cut, I cut a lot out. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going down this path of 10 pages. <laughs> I don't even have an excuse for why mine is 10 pages. It just is. Because you guys like are fucking good and you're descriptive and you make me look like shit every episode. Nah, we're yeah. just overachievers. <laughs> People are definitely tuning into this show to not listen to Josh Henderson for sure. So, so this week I get a, like a DM from Rich. It's like fucking what is it? Like two weeks ago, yeah. like Wednesday, it was and like, he's like, "I did my story." Yeah. It was two days after we recorded yeah. the last one. He was like, "I yeah, did my and story," I was, <laughs> and I was like, "Motherfucker, like calm the fuck down, dude." I started writing the next week's as well, and that, but I then realized, oh my god. Uh, I don't, don't know what have the prompts are. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But I had to start writing the second part. You don't want to forget it? I didn't want to, yeah, why? I didn't want to forget the, the start of the story. So, yeah. I'm a little worried about what our like, prompts are going to be next time for you to yeah. shoehorn in. Artichokes. <laughs> Artichokes and malls. Good luck with that shit. <laughs> Artichokes and malls. Hattie Swift have ever had a dream of an artichoke mall. <laughs> There you go. Anyway, story keeps going. (laughs) (laughs) On to the important part. (laughs) Should we take a break? Oh, go on. One of these days, we're definitely going to have a story that goes. Also, there was like an artichoke there. Anyway, yeah. uh, Also, also there was a try, man. (laughs) I fucking try, but it's sometimes it's tough. Yeah, let's take a break. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Got really a dinosaur excited story. then, and then a dinosaur story. Yeah, <laughs> um, Josh, 
Are you a sharp tooth? (laughs) Josh, tell us a story, please. All right, here's my story. It's called Glorp, 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 Glorp. This is going to be a good one. And the Oscar goes to... (laughs) (laughs) Darinosian nights are spooky, scary, sexy, cool. TLC named an album after them and went triple mithril. T-Bones, Left Orc, and Chili really hit it out of park on that one. Rip Left Orc. (laughs) Fucking Left Orc. (laughs) That implies that in this universe, there's a right orc. (laughs) (laughs) One time I went out with a girl who really loved TLC, and she left me chasing waterfalls. And by waterfalls, I mean jizz falls. And by went out with a girl, I mean it was your sweet mama's lonely but firm booty, which I tapped and am now... Not, in fact, keeping it on the DL. <laughs> I went on a journey in that sentence, man. <laughs> That's how you do it. And yes, uh, in this in this world, it is the same chili as in Darren. Sid and Socks lay next to a crackling fire. Sparks popped and smacked in the cool night air uh, as the wood burned. Don't worry. The wood didn't belong to a Trent. (laughs) We're not at that story yet. Keep your fucking panties on, you tree horny fucks. (laughs) Socks lay curled up in Sid's lap purring, content to have found a new owner that loved swords as much as he loved cats. (laughs) Sid lay with his hand behind his head, leaning back on a less than comfortable log. This might have belonged to a Trent because it was huge and looked like a peener. Damn. What do you say, Socks? Sid said as he pet behind Socks's ear. Socks purred and purred and let out a small mew. I think it's time for bed, too, Sid, uh, Sid said in response. <laughs> Taking one last puff of his pipe, Sid breathed out a heavy sigh. Socks followed and readjusted his cute little body. Just as Sid fell asleep, just as Sid felt sleep, sleep tug at his eyes, he heard a loud snap. Socks shot up with his ears behind, scanning the surrounding woods. Sid slowly lowered his hand by his side to grab his dagger. Shit, he thought to himself. I really need to replace those. <laughs> <laughs> he kept his eyes, sh- eyes shut and listened. He and Socks were like two cats. Well, Socks was a cat, so it was like maybe one and a half cats. <laughs> Just listening. Look, I'm not good at cat math. <laughs> Hearing nothing more, Sid patted Socks on the head again. It's okay, buddy. Just a branch or a dog man taking a hot doggy deuce. Nothing to be afraid of. (laughs) That sure isn't, said a crazy old man voice right next to Sid's ear. Sid shot up. Socks jolted awake and let out a hiss. Sid got into karate position ready to kill an old man because that shit is fucked up to do to someone trying to sleep. I apologize, young sir, said the toothless old man. (laughs) On his back was a large knapsack which rattled as he sat down on the peener log Sid had just been laying against. (laughs) Didn't mean to scare ya. He pulled out his own pipe and began to smoke some Daranosian dirt dank. Ah, triple D's, he said, letting out a large puff. (laughs) Mind if I join you for a smoke? Uh, yes, actually. Great! (laughs) I could use the warmth, said the old man, cutting Sid off. 
All right, said said, lowering his defenses slightly. You shouldn't sneak up on people like that, old timer. I could have killed you. Killed you with karate, he said firmly. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, the old man chuffed. You wouldn't do that. You're a good guy, I can tell. The old man squinted as if he was looking through Sid. Say, he finally broke eye contact. Wouldn't happen to need any bones, would you? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> is, this a, is this a come on line? <laughs> I don't know. Stay tuned, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> Sid laughed. Uh, what? Uh, no, no, I'm all boned up, he said, patting himself. <laughs> Name's T. Egg McCloud, said the old man. People just call me Egg on account of it sounds like Egg the food. Don't quite get it, but whatever. (laughs) He said, laughing a little too long. Right, Sid said. Sock's ears were still pinned back. I'm a bone man, you see, the old man continued. These woods here, full of bones. Nobody knows knows why, but yep, the grave woods, they call them. Not quite sure why they call it that, but who knows why people make up name, make up names for stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Again, laughing like a crazy old man for just a second too long. Anywho, thanks for the company, old man. If you need any bones, just let me know. <laughs> I wander around here all night. The night is when you do the best bone hunting, you see. Gotta sneak up on them bones. <laughs> They never see it coming at night. He laughed and laughed as he walked away from the camp. Oh, he said, turning around. One more thing. It's gelatinous ooze mating season, so you be best on the lookout for them. They like bones almost as much as I do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so long, kiddo. Honest man doing an honest day's work. (laughs) Just a bone man, dude. As he walked away, he whistled a tune and started singing the lyrics. Bones all day, bones all night. People say my mind ain't right, but I love bones and so do you. Gonna find me some bones to screw. Oh, no. (laughs) It's like a little, like, Hobbit song there. (laughs) Sid looked down at Socks. What the absolute fuck was that, he said. Socks muted and his ears perked back to normal. After a while, the two fell asleep. Thud! Thud, thud! Sid slowly opened his eyes. What in the absolute fuck is this now? He yelled out. Thud! Thud, thud! As his eyes adjusted to the light, he could only see what he thought was the green light of the moons. Wait, the moons aren't green? He was fully awake now. He tried to move, but tried to move his hand, but he was paralyzed. Oh, fuck! He He peered around in his peripherals and could see a hallway. It was dark and dank. Socks still lay on his lap, but he too was frozen solid inside of this green prison. Thud, 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 thud. They were inside of a news, and this dude was going down a long set of dungeon stairs. Sid saw what they Sid saw that they weren't the only meal at this particular this particular ooze had that night. Next to them was a boot, a fishing rod, an old eyeball four, and a pair of ladies' underwear that said "Steak Daddy" on the crotch. Oh. Steak, steak like a vampire steak. 
So they probably belonged to a thrall or maybe a vampire that had a really <laughs> fucked up sense of humor. Did she mean that the dick was the steak? I mean, I'm assuming a female was wearing these. Maybe it wasn't. Not the time, Sid snapped himself back out of the thought loop. <clears throat> Soon they arrived at a large chamber full of oozes. The ooze carrying them began to make a sound of a dog slash cat slash hort horse trying to hork up on some nasty blork. Sid and Sock slid out of the ooze's stomach? I don't know, body sack? I don't know. <laughs> they lay on the cold stone floor of this chamber, still feeling the effects of the paralyzing agent that the oozes must use to subdue any meals they ingest. Sid could now move his head slowly. He turned to see oozes all over the walls, on the ceiling, and basically just covering the whole chamber. They weren't moving, however. Maybe they were saving him in socks for later? Just pretend you're dead, a friendly voice said from next to Sid's left ear. Jesus, fuck, Sid yelled. <laughs> with, his still mushy, with his lips still mushy and paralyzed. Oh, sorry, friend. I didn't mean to startle you. Sid forced his neck muscles to extend and turn his head to the left. Out of the corner of his eye, he saw a skeleton. A skeleton. Who? Who's there? He said, trying desperately to make his motor functions work. Oh, hi there. Yep. A little, a little more to the left. Yep, yep. There you go. You got it. It's me. Sid heard as he also saw the skeleton's jaw and head turn and face him. Sid almost screamed as he saw the now alive skeleton man talking to him. Shh, the skeleton said. Make them think you're still paralyzed. They're pretty dumb, so they might forget that they even brought you down here. By the way, the name's Gary. <laughs> <laughs> said the skeleton as he held out his bony arm for a handshake. Oh, oh, my bad. Let me just... Gary grabbed Sid's paralyzed arm and did a half-hearted one-arm handshake. <laughs> eh, there we go. <laughs> Socks mute and... Um, Socks mute and muffled, tired meow as he too was now waking from the effects of the paralytic. Don't worry, friends, Gary said reassuringly. This is like my... He began counting on his bony fingers. This is like my sixth time beaten in by these guys. <laughs> They're not too bad once you get to know them. Love bones to these guys, so I'm sure they won't even try to eat you until you starve to death and or your flesh has completely rots off your succulent meat rods. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, Sid said. Socks, <laughs> Socks hissed a sleepy hiss. Thud, 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 thud. Suddenly, a large ooze clopped into the room with an entire piano inside of <laughs> The keys let out a muffled, dissonant tone from within the blob's thick, jello-esque body. The blob began the same horking sound and spat the piano out. It rang louder as it slid across the room effort effortlessly on the frictionless slime that it was covered in. Blark, 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 blark! The piano ooze blurked. <laughs> These guys can... These guys can fucking talk? Sid asked, looking left, leftish at Gary. Oh my, yes, Gary answered. <laughs> I believe he said, let the feast begin. Or maybe it was, let's get ready to rumble. They're very similar in translation. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you speak ooze, Sid asked? Oh yes, of course. I studied for two, two semesters at Boneversity, Gary said <laughs> proudly. That was that was a very kind laugh. No, Bonerversity. <laughs> block 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 block. The ooze again shouted. 
This time, sconces on the wall lit up with green, red, blue, and sapphire flame. An oozling formed out of the... An oozling formed from around the piano and began to play a pretty good version of Back That Ass Up by Juvenile. <laughs> <laughs> Oozes fucking went buck wild. They slapped around and began digesting anything they could find. A techno beat somehow now was playing? I don't know. Maybe one of them made a Casio or something. Who knows? <laughs> A long metal pole emerged from the floor and extended up to the ceiling like a stalagmite. The pole was covered in ooze, and soon the ooze, too, congealed into a sexy stripper ooze. (laughs) The oozes went wild as the stripper ooze, who was legally obligated to have swallowed at least a thong while dancing, (laughs) clapped its glork and slork cheeks all over the place. (laughs) Oozes threw finger bones to show their appreciation. (laughs) Ah, yep, Gary said over the techno beat. Classic ooze mating season. <laughs> we need to get the absolute fuck out of this place, Sid said the socks. Block, 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 shouted the news as it slithered, slithered up to Sid. He asked if you're single, Gary whispered. <laughs> Let's go, Sid said as he tried to move his, tried to move his legs, but they wouldn't respond. <laughs> Seeing this meat sack rustling around only aroused the ooze further. The cum-filled ooze from, like, I don't know, episode three did the ooze version of the robot across the dance floor. <laughs> Callback. <laughs> Callback. Oozes were inside of each other and outside of each other, just writhing with oozly lust. Block, 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 shouted the ooze again at Sid. Block, 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 Gary said in reply. <laughs> Block, 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 The ooze said, grabbing them both with what best could be described as an ooze claw, probably the best hand thing he could manage. <laughs> what the, where the actual fuck is he taking us, Sid demanded to know. Uh, we're going to, we're going to the king's chamber, Gary said. A great honor for any ooze. Yeah, but we aren't oozes, man, Sid said annoyed. <laughs> True. True, but I'm choosing to take this as a compliment, Gary said with a smile. <laughs> or what could have been a smile uh, once long ago where his skin had been on his face. <laughs> <laughs> the ooze brought them to a huge wooden door and blorked against it. It slid open and the ooze tossed the captives into a well-lit room. Sid could see a kingly chair and smell the scent of turkey and mead. The flaming sconces on the wall were lit with regular orange fire. There was a bed in the corner, and most weirdly of all, nothing was covered in vomit-inducing green ooze that smelled like if athlete's foot had itself had even worse had an even worse case of athlete's <laughs> oh foot. Oh my god, Josh. Mm. <laughs> Sid sat up. Good. He could Sid sat up. Good. He could use his torso now. Socks stretched out that stretched out one leg and then the and then the other. Cats are so cute when they do that. <laughs> <laughs> this is like three in the morning True. Right. <laughs> slowly the large chair began to turn it around and in his place sat oh hey said what fly man said said smiling what the fuck <laughs> you're the king fly man sighed <clears throat> you like that it's great you like that? I'm fully bonered up now. <laughs> Flyman sighed. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I am anymore, you know? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, said said dismissively. You're de- you're still depressed. We get it. <laughs> but at least that means everything is pretty normal. Help us get back. Help us get the frick out of here. Sighing. Oh, I wrote that as a note for myself. <laughs> I probably can't help you. I'm pretty useless. I'm really only a king in title. I don't really have any actual kingly powers, so I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> but you can have some turkey if you want. Flyman leaned over a turkey leg. As he did, acid from his mouth tube dripped down and melted the turkey <laughs> leg and melted into the floor below it. Never mind. <laughs> I can't even give you turkey without flymanning it up. <laughs> he said, sobbing. <laughs> Sid sat up and stood on his feet. He wobbled. Garrick perked himself right up as a una- right up as unnaturally you could imagine a living skeleton with no musculature could do. <laughs> We're getting out of here. Let's go, Sid said. The three of them in socks crept out of the king's chamber and stealthed their way down a dark hall. The thumping beats of ooze the thumping beats of ooze booty could be heard and felt through the floor. Below, a grade-A fuckfest was taking place. <laughs> Turning a corner, Sid saw a chest. Good. Maybe there's a torch or something, he said, quickly opening the chest. Wait, Sid, that, Gary said, but it was too late. The chest reared up, and green ooze replaced what was once brown wood and steel. <laughs> That's a mimic, Gary finished his sentence. <clears throat> Socks leapt into action. And bit Sid, drawing blood, turning into a, his katana form. Sid sliced the mimic clean in twain. That's not gonna... Gary said, began to say. <laughs> the ooze slid apart like two pieces of ham that you left in the crisper for just a tad too long. <laughs> That's so specific. That, it's, it's like my worst fear, man. I hate that. Uh, uh, then they reformed and were now two sentient oozes. Guess I should have seen that coming, Sid said, looking at the now two oozes coming toward him. Guess we'll have to do this the cool way, he said, <laughs> igniting socks into a flaming sword of black hellish death. Fuck yeah. <laughs> he launched a fireball at one of the oozes. Each bolt struck each bolt struck true, and the oozes began to smolder and bubble. As they writhed on the stone floor, boiling from the inside out, a green noxious gas cloud began to form and float toward the party. Flyman coughed and gagged. Gary coughed and gagged. Wait, why would he cough? Maybe he was just being nice or pretending? Empathy cough. I'm just, I'm just being nice and pretending, Gary said to Flyman as he held him up. <laughs> the smell was toxic. It burned their noses and lungs. It smelled like chlorine, and that smell when brakes burn. It smelled like mm. burning cat hair along with the smell of creepy crawlers gave off when you put them into that little light bulb of... <laughs> <laughs> Sid's eyes began to water as he saw a glint of light within the two now scalding, boiling, pulsating gas sacks. <laughs> Covering his mouth, he ran into the haze and kicked the oozes with his thick boot. On the ground lay two pristine, ancient, sleek daggers. Fuck well, that works too, we thought, as he quickly ran down the hall. <laughs> Running down the hall, Sid looked over at Flyman. How in the ever-loving fucking shit did you become the king of the gelatinous oozes, Fly? He asked. Well, they saw me out on my daily cry walk, and (laughs) the next thing I know, they're all bowing before me. (laughs) 
they carried me into this dungeon and have been giving me bones and stuff for like two weeks. Why didn't you just leave? Sid asked. Well, I didn't want to be rude. (laughs) (laughs) Carrie clicked back up alongside him. It's like that old gelatinous ooze saying, it's not the putrid, wretched, filthy shit that's on the outside that counts. It's the sick, rotten, fessering, pus-filled, <laughs> rancid, decaying, fetid, gangrenous, absolute dog shit that's on the inside that counts. It's not just a, an ooze saying. <laughs> we say that to each that's other, a, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a, a bros before pros saying, too. <laughs> <laughs> soon they arrived at the chamber soon they arrived at the chamber where the ooze ritual was in wow that's a really terrible sentence <laughs> anyway it's 3 it's like 3:30 to- at this point folks <laughs> it's like 4 in the morning uh, we're going to have to pretend we're oozes gary said doing uh voice warm ups ah la 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 how now brown cow how now brown cow he began to sing yeah Fuck that, Sid said as he raised socks. He, As he did, a magenta flame began to burn as hot as your mama's ass cheeks when I clapped them boys silly with my ding-donger while you were at Little League last week. <laughs> Action karate ball, Sid said in an ancient tongue, not knowing how, even, how he even knew the words to that spell. The whole room filled with flame. The group ran for their lives and were soon outside of the dungeon. Guess you could say that party was lit, Gary said, nudging Flyman in the ribs. I want to I want to fucking die, Flyman said. To be continued. Oh shit. I don't know what else can happen in this story. I'm excited. Um It's a they, setup. It's a setup episode. They are gonna lose their fucking shit. Because Flyman's back. You know that, right? I shit when Flyman was back. I did too. Yeah. I like how he just, like, didn't want to leave. He just thought it would be rude. No fanfare. He's just there. He didn't leave. What's up? (laughs) That's what he's been doing for eight years. Fair enough. (laughs) Crying in the woods. It just seems like two weeks to him. Like he said, it's been eight straight years. I had a whole like thing where they were like pretending to be oozes, and I was like, "I this is insane." I was like, "I'm going to bed. I'm going to bed." Um, whenever it didn't you didn't seem like Sid style either. <laughs> no, no. Whenever you mention an ooze, all I can think of is the Dragon Quest slimes with the big googly yeah, eyes. Yeah, the slimes, the cute ones, burn into yeah, death. Like, yeah. I, I pictured a jello with yeah. bones in it. <laughs> yeah, they always have to have random shit in it, right? Yeah. Like a tire. <laughs> Just like one second, I want to jump back to Rich's story. I didn't congratulate you on creating like a gelatinous man with neon bones. Yeah, oh, that yeah. was fucking sick. Well, Rich, Rich's story had that cool skeleton man inside of an ooze, and my story had oozes and a skeleton. I mean, so my story the- has no oozes. It's the Aww. gestalt brain again. We're working in yeah. tandem and not knowing it. Yeah, it's whatever Nazi word you just said. Brain. <laughs> oh god. Oh no. Um, Kid Hitler over here. I'm, I'm a massive fan. I know I said this before, but like I'm a massive fucking fan of a cat that turns into a yeah, cat. It's so Tana. good. 
Yep. It's so it's fucking fun. genius. Well, when I wrote, when I was writing it, I was like, I need him to not always have to use the cat. Yeah. So I was like, well, I kind of fucked myself. <laughs> <laughs> but no, because the cat is like its own character. Yeah, right? that, it can't always be the sword. Yeah, that's that makes it perfect because you wouldn't want yeah. to just use something you love as an item all the time, right? Yeah, it wouldn't feel. It doesn't feel right, yeah. you know. And I also, do like that the cat has uh, its own impetus as a character. Yes. and like decides when to become the sword. Yeah. I'm a big yeah. Fan he does. Yeah. yeah, that was exactly what I was going to say. Well, that, thank you, thank you. Also, <laughs> like writing. I'm a, I'm a big <laughs> fan of like when when Josh writes a story. He's capable of saying whatever extremely long, convoluted trail of bullshit that he's written. <laughs> and I'm so impressed with that. Because I get tripped on my own shit so often. <laughs> it's it's really like how I think, which I don't know what that means. <laughs> don't pick but, up that seam. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's just say that that's okay and move on. I am... I, this, is, this is the last time I'll suck our dicks and then we can take a break. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a really big fan of how our storytelling styles have, like, diverged from one another the longer yeah. we're doing this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where our stories are told in completely different ways now. I'm appreciating mm-hmm. that a lot. Yeah. Did you notice I used all the prompts? You did. <laughs> the piano had keys. It was good. It? But oh, I like when shit. we do that. I like when we do I that. I had... I had another scene with some key, like actual keys, but I was like, nah, it's good enough. The piano <laughs> had keys. That counts. Uh, yeah, I was like, that counts. That's genius, actually. <laughs> I, li- I like I like that, the finding a way that something isn't really the prompt. Yeah. It's like... I didn't I, do that. Spoilers, <laughs> I really like subverting all the useless prompts we get. <laughs> Don't tell them that. No, I use your prompts diligently as you give them to us, folks. I so write good. out... Jeff and I get on Twitter DMs and we write out a brainstorming of what all the prompts could be. <laughs> yeah. We do a mind map. Yeah, that's exactly what we do in the we've DMs. Never, that's what we we've do. never done anything even close to that. <laughs> Jeff! <laughs> We just make up shit and don't even tell each other about it until oh the day we record. But I gen- now they're gonna. I genuinely think that's what they want. I mean, you can't. Yeah, I'm used, gonna imagine I they the say prompts yeah. directly <laughs> and unoriginally in my story. So that's get, okay. Get <laughs> that's totally okay. It, it key really man. does help to like. <laughs> oh God, no! The key man. <laughs> the key man. Enemy of cricket man. <laughs> Quote. Is is he Jeff? <laughs> uh, yeah. They fucking hate each other. Whatever. I don't know. I've never seen Jeff and Kid Hitler in the same room. <laughs> I would never hang out with that guy. He hangs out with J.K. Rowling. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently he doesn't. Well, he doesn't. Yeah, exactly. They're not allowed to be in the same room. Yeah. Apparently he I've never seen them wow. in the same room together either. I'm just That's true. Yeah. I think this is the first time in any podcast I've ever been in where I was accused of being a Hitler. So. <laughs> no, surely it's not. Fine. You're a surely kid, Hitler. Not. You have time to turn it around. It's true. If I get into this art school, <laughs> fingers crossed. Just if I get into this Austrian art school. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The podcast is taking right. a turn. All right. On that note, we're going to take a break to invade Poland. No! Oh god, no, wait. <laughs> Not again. Bye. 
Welcome back, gang. Uh, J- Jeff is going to. Uh, I was going to call you Jorf then. Jorf. Just, just amalgamate it's your okay. names. Why not? I mean, yeah. Jorf and Jorf. Uh, other, other Josh. <laughs> Jeff's I'm tell a you. human being. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down, elephant man. Um, to prove you're human, tell us a story that's funny. <laughs> oh my god, no. Uh, my worst nightmare. Turing test. <laughs> prove um, you're worth human. The name of my story is The Candle Cousins in Final Lessons. <laughs> This is a Hallmark I have, show. I have no, no idea where this is going. This is not a Hallmark show. <laughs> Keep up, Christy. We're almost there. The girl in front yelled I, I back behind fucking her. I hate this kid already. Hands cuffed around her mouth. She was thin with fiery red hair pulled into pigtails, heavy metal braces on her teeth, and a pair of den- denim overalls layered over a far too early Christmas sweater. <laughs> which, oh set her apart long which set her apart from the forest unless you were colorblind in which case she was practically camouflaged <laughs> what <laughs> she's wearing red are you colorblind red. red green colorblind <laughs> stop calling me that you little chode the other girl snapped back <laughs> trailing behind some ways out of apathy and annoyance at her companion far more than a lack of desire to catch up she was dressed head to toe in black with fishnet studs and leather boots and a My Chemical Romance shirt and a pleather jacket topping it all off. Oh, she's, so it's 2007. She's, she's going to look back at photos of herself and she's going to regret that choice. Dude, she went to the Black Parade. What's there to regret? <laughs> now she looks completely fucking out of place in the woods. You couldn't miss her even if you were born cursed to truly never know color like I am. <laughs> I mean, yeah. fuck. All right, get it together. <laughs> keep it going. Keep it going, Jeff. We're getting so many Come on, champ. You're so silly, Christy. You know my name isn't Chode, it's Peggy. The girl in front responded in a bubbly, spittle-filled tone, rocking back and forth on her heels, waiting for her companion to catch up. I love that you've uh, replaced Pavlov with an even more irritating character I want to die. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. She's just a little girl. Jesus. This this kid has said three sentences, and I hate this kid. Yeah, I've got a four-year-old son. I I have a very low tolerance for children. (laughs) Look, this is ten pages. we got to get through this. Uh, (laughs) Christy was the name my stupid idiot parents gave me back when they shit me out of my mom's ass, Peggy. (laughs) I told you from now on, my name is Christiana Blackheart Malaria Bloodwraith. <laughs> Malaria. Upon catching up, she shoved Peggy back a step, which did nothing to sour her disposition at all, and scoffed. You can call me Chris if you must be a stupid straight edge about it. <laughs> Chris is a type of cool knife. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, um, that's true. Okay. Peggy rubbed her arm where Chris had pushed her and turned to keep walking. Before summer, the two of them had been completely on the same wavelength. They wanted to be amateur sleuths and solve paranormal mysteries like those cute 40-something-year-old boys on BuzzFeed whose names names I'm not writing in this story for copyright purposes. Oh, fuck. I wrote BuzzFeed right there. Uh, BeesFeed. Saved it. Isn't BuzzFeed dead? 
Anyway. No, that's Deadspin. <laughs> anyway, both girls were 14 and were once the absolute <clears throat> best of friends. But Christy had come back after break and said she'd not only had a cigarette, probably one of the worst sins in the whole Bible, but that she, wasn't cha- that she was going to change everything about herself. Now she only listened to bands with fonts that looked like blood on their album covers and wore nothing but cheap Hot Topic merchandise that wore out within a month. Oh, uh, fuck you, Hot Topic. All of this was meant to be anti-establishment, maybe? Or anti-life or something? Either way, you would probably go straight to H-E double hockey sticks for even mentioning it in Sunday school. True. Which, according to Peggy, was at least five times more holy than regular school, since it took place at God's house. Regular oh school God. had, like, five times more America in it, though, so it was pretty equal. <laughs> What's the difference, am I right? (laughs) What are we even doing out here anyway? This is so lame and cringe and duck scent. There's not even... (laughs) There's not even any beer, which I actually like and drink, Chris said, with all the inflection of a first grade reader, but on purpose. (laughs) Um... I'm going to pretend you didn't say the B word. Uh, We're out here to find a ghost. Don't you know anything about Pharaoh Woods? It's only the most haunted place in the world. It's straight out of an episode of Spooky Squad, Peggy rambled. (laughs) To set up later exposition. Ew, you're talking way too much. My mom didn't say you'd talk this much when she gave me $5 to hang out with you, Chris. Oh. Pharaoh Woods is named after a teacher who used to run a one-room schoolhouse here. They say she went totally cuckoo bananas wacky and a bunch of school kids and her disappeared, never to be heard from again. Peggy got Mm -hmm. more and more amped as she talked through the tale. (laughs) Chris was fiddling with her smartphone absently, obviously not listening. Mm -hmm. Chris, you're not getting it. It's no fun if I'm the only one sleuthing for spirits. Don't you remember when Nana Rickenbacker said when she gave us? Peggy threw her backpack off her shoulders onto the leaf-strewn ground and began rummaging through it, returning improbably and very much like a cartoon character with an entire old-timey gold candle holder with a single wide green candle sitting in it. (laughs) The candle! She told us it was our job to help wayward spirits find their way to the great beyond, and she even gave us our cool spirit helper name, the Candle Cousins. <laughs> Nana Reckenbacher was a drunk who died on the toilet trying to make a bathtub full of prison wine in her own house with a cigarette in her mouth, Chris said. Her voice tinged with screaming. disgust. <laughs> Don't say stuff like that, Chris. That's very nice and also not true, Peggy said in return. <laughs> Uncle Dave said it at her funeral. I'm pretty sure that was way less nice. <laughs> anyway, she's dead, and when you die, you just lay in the dirt forever anyway. It's way cooler than stupid fucking life. <laughs> Chris pressed hard on her smartphone screen a few times and then huffed dejectedly. I don't have any service out here. This officially blows chunks out of my gun. I'm going home. <laughs> oh my god. This kid's a sailor, dude. You can't go home. We haven't even lit the candle yet. Peggy pleaded, rustling around in her backpack for another moment before returning with a disposable Bic lighter. 
<laughs> she flicked it about a billion times, Chris's eyes rolling every time like a Pavlovian dog after a click before the wick of the candle finally <laughs> caught fire. <laughs> Look, I don't give a shit either way about, she's almost here. What? The instant the candle burned to life in its sickly, iridescent green, an echoing voice broke through their argument and seemed to fill the entire space around them in the woods. Both girls twisted their head around in the direction of the voice, and their jaws dropped, and their eyes widened. Standing in the clearing ahead of them was a small boy, no older than ten, dressed in off-white trousers, a wrinkled, red-stained dress shirt, suspenders, and a newsboy cap, his entire <laughs> body giving off a steady, hazy glow in the remnants of the light of the setting sun. <laughs> Peggy held out a hand and was about to speak to the small boy when Chris let out a blood-curdling scream at the top of her lungs and leapt backwards away from them. Holy shit, that's a real ghost! You have to be fucking with me! Chris screamed. <laughs> you have to hide. She's almost here. The little boy oh, repeated, his body wavering like heat off of metal in the dead of summer, but the shadows never leaving his eyes even for a moment. <laughs> Who's almost here? Peggy questioned, walking towards the small boy with her hand held out in a comforting gesture, trying her best to seem non-threatening. Are you talking to it? What the fuck? Why? Let's go! <laughs> Chris kept screaming, trailing away from what was happening a step at a time. <laughs> She's almost here, the little boy repeated, pointing his small finger further down the trail past him in the distance. You have to hide. <laughs> Peggy peered down the pathway but couldn't see anything past the blinding white of the boy's ghastly form, wisps of smoke rising from his clothing as, as if it was dissipating on the wind. Who is she? What's gonna happen? Peggy asked with more fervor, almost reaching the boy with her outstretched hand. She's almost... The boy began to repeat, but his eyes shot wide, the shadows fluttering away on the wind away from them to reveal the absolute terror etched on his young face. Whoa. Slowly, his head began to move down and left, sliding away from his neck until it finally fell onto the ground with a sickening thud. It bounced only once with a cracking and a liquidy sound before it and the boy that it was attached to were completely gone. Uh-oh. Peggy stepped back and held her hand to her chest, raising the smoking green candle into the air to turn it back and forth where the boy once stood. Nothing stood there now. Not that any of this was a peaceful moment of relief, as Chris was screaming over and over. <laughs> like a busted alarm clock going off incessantly in your dorm mate's room. That's right, oh Josh. Oh my god. I remember all your stories about inane bullshit, and I love them. <laughs> oh my god! This story's for me! He's gone, Peggy screamed, turning the candlelight towards Chris. You can stop screaming now. <laughs> Chris did stop and looked where the ghostly boy had once stood, exhaling every bit of air out of her lungs, like resetting her image, and immediately went back to nonchalance. Oh yeah, whatever. I commune with the dead all the time. <laughs> Death is who I am. It's whatever. My favorite band is The Used. This is nothing. <laughs> it is 2007. <laughs> Peggy, for her part, was completely ignoring the posturing and had dropped to the ground like a bloodhound and was rooting around in the dirt. Chris looked at her with that mixture of disgust and pity that everyone deserves reserves for people who act cringe on the timeline. If that's a thing that still exists at this point, I guess we'll see. <laughs> 
my god, so much Gen Z. <laughs> Look, an old bronze key! Peggy shot back up, covered in dirt and leaves, her hands clutched around an antique red gold key, covered with cracks and pockmarked all over its surface. She turned it over in her hand with a gigantic smile on her face, showing almost every brace within. <laughs> Chris snatched the candle away from her other hand. You were holding this while rummaging through leaves? What are you, a complete fucking Mervin? <laughs> what? She realized at that moment she had shown visible care about two things, the forest burning down and the candle, and that was three things too many to be a true bad goth <laughs> bitch like she wanted. Uh, not that I care, fuckface. Saved nice. it. Saved <laughs> it. Landed think, it. I think the ghost boy whose head fell off wanted us to go this way, Peggy called out over her shoulder, oh charging God. head first down the forest trail ahead of them, leaves crunching loudly underneath her feet. Chris watched her disappear into the dark and stood contemplating ditching her, going home and watching the music video to Helena by My Chemical Romance for the 21st time today. Oh my god. But she remembered it had taken them 45 minutes to walk this far, and she would have to do it back alone. She finally followed after Peggy, walking at a clip that to an outside viewer might look like running, but she was way too dark and mysterious for that. <laughs> She continued walking in a normal, uncaring clip until she was completely out of breath and had finally caught up to Peggy. <laughs> Peggy was standing with her hands on her hips in triumph in front of an old, decaying building, red paint chipped off of it to the point of unrecognition. But there was no doubt in either of their minds at this point. This was the one-room schoolhouse of Harrow Woods. Chris was suddenly wishing, silently, and to herself, of course, she had listened to the dweeb's stupid story about what the fuck ever earlier. <laughs> Take your stupid candle before I shove it up your beehole, you skank, Chris said, shoving the candle out to Peggy. <laughs> Peggy didn't even turn around, fishing the key out of her overalls pocket and shoving it into the incredibly old bronze padlock that was attached to the desiccated front door. The key turned and the padlock fell, crashing to the floor. A rush of cold wind pushed past the two of them and swung the door open wide before them. Chris threw her hands up in front of her eyes reflexively. But inside, there was just a row of old pews with small desktops lining them here and there with a long walkway in between, leading up to a small podium that had been knocked over to its side. The inside looked like an old burned-down church more than a schoolhouse. Look, mm. uh, maybe we should... Uh, Chris began, but stopped when she realized she was talking to no one. Peggy had already what? skipped merrily into the spooky-ass old dump <laughs> like she was tiptoeing through the tulips on a fresh spring day. <laughs> Redheads. Jesus Christ, what cringe, Chris thought deep in her jaded head. <laughs> but followed much more coolly and dark, like that girl who dances on the coffin in the Death Ring 7 video, but even more gothic. <laughs> Peggy stooped over the fallen podium at the end of the walkway and looked around its base, seeing a bunch of sheets of yellowed, burned paper sticking out of the bottom of it. Come and help me move this, please, and thank you very much. <laughs> For fuck's sake, Chris muttered, setting the candle holder down on top of one of the stray desktops that still dotted the room. The two of them lugged the heavy oaken podium back up to a standing position and wiggled it with some difficulty off of the stack of the old paper beneath. 
Peggy dove like a prize hunting dog on the papers and yanked them up. She And then she scurried like a little field mouse, trying to escape a predator across the schoolroom into the candle, leaning in close to try and make out the words on the page. See, Rich? I can do animal metaphors, too. <laughs> Whoa! Well done. Shots fired. <laughs> Squinting to try to see better by the flickering light, she began to read what she saw out loud. May 18th, 1944. Avery isn't coming back from the war. The man from the army board came and told me today. We were supposed to have a big banquet for him tonight, but now I can't keep the school open without Avery. The children have no future. Their world is dead. <laughs> Chris interrupted. Hey, this is pretty cool, actually. Let me read it. And snatched the paper from Peggy's hands, turning it towards the light and continuing to read herself. I'll set them free. The children will go to heaven. I'll go to hell. But it's better than suffering to death. Signed, Emily Harrow. Holy shit! That's why it's called Harrow Woods. I fucking solved it, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I told you this already. You never listen to me anymore, Peggy protested, her fists balled up at her sides. You told me, like, a quarter of a story. That's fully heinous of you, actually. (laughs) Heinous is back. I tried to tell you, but you stopped me before I could. She's almost here. The voice stopped their argument once again, both of them turning to face the same small boy in the same newsboy hat and 40s attire, staring at them unblinkingly from in front of the podium across the room. He pointed up towards the stairs at the back of the building that lead to the bell tower at the top, dilapidated and broken down as they are now. You have to hide. Chris was about to scream again when Peggy clapped her hand over her mouth, holding hard to keep her from doing it. (laughs) She held her hand out towards the young boy again and spoke in her soothingest, least spittle-throwing tone. (laughs) Who is coming? Mrs. Harrow? Did she do that to you? She pantomimed a finger across her neck. The little boy simply nodded and pointed to the stairs behind the podium once again. Hide there? Chris asked, prying Peggy... Or, hide there? Peggy, Chris asked, prying Peggy's <laughs> hand off of her face. I don't take advice on life and death situations from people who already failed that test, ghost kid. Sorry. (laughs) Shit, ghost kid. Stop being rude. He didn't choose to die. A crazy old murderer teacher killed him. Right, little boy? (laughs) Peggy yelled, but when she turned her eyes to look back at the little boy, his head was flying through the air directly at the two girls across the pulpit. No. They screamed and dove on the ground, the heads splatting heavily and wetly against the jagged old floorboards behind them. It rolled slowly across the floor in front of them, both of them laying with their stomachs and hands against the floor. They watched the head move, rolling and rolling, until it finally stopped. A hand reaching down to grasp it with fingers that had far too many joints. Encircling it like snakes and lifting it into the air. Standing at the entrance to the schoolroom was a woman with her skin dangling off half of her body, burned away from the bone and singed into a molten gray free hanging mess. Her empty eye sockets slowly dripped thick, black, old blood like a maple tap, which plitted and plutted against the floorboards with each drop. The children will go to heaven. 
<laughs> after the feast. The grotesque figure whispered, her voice like sputtering coals in a fire. It's Cricket Woman. <laughs> This time, both Peggy and Chris screamed as hard as they possibly could together, the sound of their ear-piercing shriek filling the room to the brim. Even the grotesque figure placed her elongated fingers over her ears and stepped away from them, giving them the perfect (laughs) opportunity to run. Except the figure was standing directly in front of the only entrance or exit to the school, the front door they had come in. So they turned their heels and ran, straight up the jagged and broken steps towards the bell tower, exactly where the now headless boy had pointed them towards before. Even in the rush up the steps, Peggy couldn't help but notice the young boy's body was gone. Mm. There were only a dozen steps or so before they reached the crow's nest where the bell was rung, the two of them pressing their bodies into the wall as tightly as they could compact to keep away from the opening back down the stairs. They both breathed heavier and deeper than they could ever remember, both assured that that thing was going to pop out of the opening at any moment to take their heads as well. A few minutes passed. It didn't appear. A few minutes more. Still nothing. The two of them looked at one another, and Peggy moved away from the wall. Chris trying, Chris trying desperately to grab onto her and make her stop, but to no avail. Peggy peered over the edge down the stairs and tilted her head a little to try listening. There was an odd sound coming from down there, metallic but familiar. It took a moment to realize it was the clinking of cups and silverware. The banquet, she whispered, looking back at Chris. Oh my god, don't go down to the banquet. You have to be fucking with my fart box, Peggy. Don't go back (laughs) down there. That thing is going to behead us like that fucked up little street urchin boy. (laughs) Chris pushed herself tighter against the wall. But the candle's still down there, Peggy said, slowly lowering herself back down the stairs a step at a time, trying not to press her whole weight down at any moment. You can stay here, she whispered back up. But Chris was already behind her, following in the same footsteps. Peggy smiled. Chris grimaced at her. Fuck you very much, she mouthed, almost silently. (laughs) As they moved down, Peggy caught the glimpse out of the corner of her eye of what was stashed up in the bell tower this entire time behind them. Old-fashioned gasoline cans. Dozens of them lining one side of it. When they could see back into the schoolhouse, the entire inside was completely different than they had left it. Instead of rows of old dilapidated pews and desktops, there was a single, long, decorated table down the center of the room. Seated along the table on both sides were boys and girls, all dressed in their white finest, all cheerfully eating at the table. All except for the boy they had seen before, who was nowhere to be seen. The door at the other end of the room was shut tightly, and the desiccated corpse of Mrs. Harrow stood in front of it. The two young girls suddenly understood what the liquid leaking out of the grotesque teacher's eye sockets was. She was crying to herself. A gigantic smile split across her maddened features at the same time. She waved a gigantic long hand over the room and gave an uproarious laugh. The children didn't seem to notice, continuing to eat, each one glowing a slight incandescent blue. You know, like Casper in the movies. Exactly the same, actually. They're also dead kids. (laughs) Starring Christina Ricci. 
Peggy and Chris were frozen, watching as Mrs. Harrow walked across the room towards them. Her unseeing eye holes pointed directly at them. There was nowhere to go. There was no way she didn't see them. They dove headfirst off of the steps to the side, landing with a heavy, echoing thud against the floorboards, which for some reason were no longer jagged beneath them. They were flat mm. and even, thankfully. They slid against the smooth surface of the boards and finally turned back, expecting the apparition to be upon them, to take their lives in one fell swoop of its horrid, lashing fingers. But she wasn't there. Mrs. Harrow continued up the stairs past where they had been, laughing and sobbing quietly to herself, her voice echoing <laughs> like an old radio recording. But then, Damn. But then... At the same moment, the children all began to scream at the top of their lungs. <clears throat> Peggy and Chris, Peggy and Chris, whipped their heads around to see the ghostly children running away from the table towards the doors at the front of the schoolhouse. All but one, who was frozen in unfathomable terror. The one child left was leaned across the table, holding the silver cloche that had been hiding the dish at the center this whole time. What? Sitting upon a silver platter, still dripping warm blood onto the surface beneath, was the head of the little boy who had guided them there, his uh. newsboy cap still resting upon his lifeless head. <clears throat> The ghostly children pressed against the front doors with all their weight, yanking at the handles and screaming a cacophonous scream, but they did not budge. They ran this way and that, to the windows, but not one of them would budge. The children slamming against them were far too small to break them. They were feverishly trying to escape. An escape that seemed practiced, like they had attempted a million times before. Oh, God! Down the stairs, the school marm came, two gas cans dangling from her monstrously twisted hands, gas running down them and off onto the floor in splashing puddles. She continued to laugh and sob intermittently as she went, throwing the gas cans forward and back to send the liquid within raining down on the banquet table, onto the tables and chairs all over the children as they screamed and ran. Kids love gas. Mm -hmm. The children will go to heaven. Even if I go to hell, she repeated to herself in her tinny, distant voice. Chris screamed as well, grasping onto Peggy and shaking her as they both scrambled to their feet. We have to get out of here! We're gonna die too! Mm -hmm. Peggy looked around. There wasn't any way out of this place. Except, she turned her eyes back up the stairs where Mrs. Harrow had disappeared to, where they had hidden before, and yanked Chris hard along with her as she ascended the stairs again. Chris didn't have time to argue, let alone the right mind space. The two of them got to the top quickly, and Peggy yanked down the old rope that had once kept the bell aloft and you'd been used to ring it. One end of it was still attached, she hoped well enough, to the apex of the bell tower. The Batman! Other, the other was now <laughs> loose, thanks to her. It, had only, it would only be able to get them far enough down to not hurt when they fell. Again, she hoped... Mm -hmm. She threw the free end of the rope off the side of the schoolhouse as flames began to erupt up the stairs behind them. Chris screamed, but Peggy pushed her hard towards the rope, shoving it into her hands. Climb down! Chris didn't have the clear level of thought needed to realize how stupid this was and grasped onto the rope, swung her legs over the side, and began to shimmy down it. 
Peggy followed suit when there was enough room, the ancient rope whining and creaking louder than the spreading flames against their weight. Yes. They swung unbidden back and forth in the air, fire creeping up the outside of the building on either side of them as they descended. Peggy wasn't having as much trouble with the rope, as she had always prided herself on keeping a godly mind and a godly body. <laughs> oh my god! She held the school record for sit-ups and the Sunday school record for prayer-ups, whatever the fuck that was. <laughs> this, this is horrible. This is the worst part of the story. <laughs> but Chris was floundering, eventually starting to lose her grip. Peggy! She screamed, sliding a small way down the rope, which burnt into her hands and caused her to yelp in, fa- in pain. Ugh. You're low enough to drop now, Chris! Peggy called down to her in return. Chris shut her eyes tightly and let go. She felt the cold, hard ground slam against her back and rolled to the side immediately. The air knocked out of her lungs. Ugh. The moment Chris released the rope, Peggy was yanked partially the way back up the rope being pulled at the other end harshly and suddenly. She looked back up at the top and saw two empty eye sockets staring back down at her. The long, spindly, burning arms of Mrs. Harrow, now almost completely engulfed in flames, were reaching down at her, drawing her ever close. Peggy screamed and let go of the rope, falling far higher than she had ever planned to. Directly into the awaiting arms of Chris below. Hey! The two of them tumbled over each other into the leaves and grass below, rolling for a moment before coming to a complete stop. Mrs. Harrow screeched into the dark night after them, her eyes filling up with the flames that enwreathed her now. The, the doors! Peggy shouted through the pain in her chest, stumbling to her feet and running around the burning schoolhouse with an unsteady gait. Chris lurched to her feet and gave chase, understanding for the first time since they had reunited after summer break exactly what Peggy was doing and what she needed. (laughs) The two ran to the front of the building and found the two double doors to the entrance barred with a gigantic piece of lumber, crossing from one side of it to the next. Peggy began to push it up with every bit of strength in her, but could hardly budge it. Thankfully, Chris had also run around to join her at this point, and immediately pressed her strength into it as well, throwing the bar off into the side of the doors. Hmm. Both girls grabbed a door handle and wrenched it open, revealing a broken, empty old schoolhouse inside. (laughs) (laughs) An empty, busted walkway with pews lining both sides, old dilapidated desks here and there, and a podium on its side at the end. But what? Peggy stuttered, looking back at Chris, who through huffs and puffs from all the physical strain could only return her shocked, confused look. <laughs> Thank you, a familiar voice echoed, breaking the silence. Standing behind them in the forest clearing was the little ghostly boy in a newsboy cap again. He had a smile upon his face and a warmth to his eyes that was missing before. You freed us from the fire. We no longer live here. We can move on now. The boy walked towards them slowly and held out his hand to them. Within it was an antique golden candle holder and a burning green candle. What? Chris lurched away from him, pulling her hands to her chest, but Peggy took the candle and smiled at him as he turned and faded into the night. 
The candle's flame snuffed itself out a moment after. We did it! Peggy yelled, jumping up and down in place like a pogo stick, thrusting her fists into the air. Yeah, uh, whatever, Chris said, tossing her hair over one eye. But slowly, a slight smile spread across her face. Candle cousins? Peggy said, holding her hand out. Sure, candle cousins, Chris said, taking her hand in a firm handshake. The two girls returned home, finding it was only 8 p.m., Days end at like 2 fucking p.m. during this time of year, so I guess it shouldn't have been a surprise, but holy shit. (laughs) Chris made Peggy listen to Saves the Day. Peggy pretended to like it, but didn't understand at all. Peggy made Chris listen to Our God is an Awesome God. Chris hated it and was extremely upfront about that. The end. (laughs) Holy shit. I gotta go do some prayer ups, man. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. It was great. Thank you. Damn, like I said man. in the DM, that felt like the most actual story that I've ever written. <laughs> I don't think it's any. How do I say this? It's not any less of a story or more of a story than your other ones. Yeah, your your stories are always stories. A character cha- grew or changed in this story, and it, that's, that's true. That's different than anything else I've read. <laughs> well, Flinch grows and changes. He becomes more desperate and more of a piece of shit. That's true. That's <laughs> very true. He he did leave a woman who saved his life several times to die in the, yeah. one of the last stories. Yeah, that's character development. I um, I think it's it's going to sound vaguely insulting, but every compliment I ever have in me does. Um, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a testament to your writing that you can take something that is very, very simple and make it very, very engaging. Yes. Ah, oh, thank your, you. Your descriptions are like uh, fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like I can't like. Thank you. I I don't know the 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 words you use. You do good words, Jeff. I'm, I'm mm. a good, good word man. You good words. Yeah. Man. I, yeah, uh, this was my take on like a Nancy Drew Hardy Boys. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say, uh, "Are you afraid of the dark?" Mashup, Scooby Doo, mm-hmm. Midnight like, Society. Uh, we watched "Are You Afraid of the Dark?" Like everything that they have on Paramount, which is like only ten episodes of every season for some reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're really mad. But um, <laughs> those stories are all like based around the kids help a ghost. Almost yeah. all of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, I want to try my hand at that, but make the ghosts like horrific. I want to make it like a genuine horror story that they sort of stumble into and still yeah. help the ghost at the end. I was for a second, I was like, this Cricket Man, he's back. No, Cricket Man is not back. <laughs> Cricket Man has never existed for one. So there is that. <laughs> he Damn, exists in our DMs. <laughs> My my trick to get Jeff to admit that he's Cricket Man is failing. Yeah, he's the back lore on Cricket Man gets deeper every day in our DMs. It's true. <laughs> well, when he's a real person who you're DMing, yeah, I guess yeah, it will. I guess that's true. I am DMing Josh every day. No, I'm not Cricket Man. Jo- I base the character of Cricket Man on Josh. The uh- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the Candle Cousins will return. Hopefully, I love the Candle Cousins. Yeah, hopefully you liked them. I, when uh, it started and like you guys immediately hated Peggy, I was like, oh no, yeah, bad job. <laughs> no, 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 no. Starting a character that grows in a shit place is a good idea. Yeah. Also, I just hate all kids, so yeah, you know, it's just gonna be the that's default. True. Yeah. That's true. 
I... <laughs> You were talking earlier about doing uh, Flyman with Gary the Scalamane. Yeah, as, yeah. Like, characters yeah. who were opposites, and that's where the candle yeah. came from. Holy shit, man. That same sort of it's idea. I didn't read your brain and brain. know you were going to do yep. that. Hotline. Yeah, it's something the cricket man would say, but okay. <laughs> he definitely wasn't sucking your power. Yeah, I definitely wasn't reading your brain and taking all your energy no. to use for my cricket. I mean, homework. <laughs> By the way, the power is what we all call our penis. <laughs> our, our one penis, according to penis. what just said. <laughs> hive peen. We share a penis. We mail it back and forth. Oh, can I borrow it tonight? I'm going to... Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> Yeah, he was definitely uh. not going to make another sire of cricket children or anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now write, it, write in if you like the the candle cousins and you want them to come back. Yes. Yeah. I do. I count, right? Guys? <laughs> you do. You, you count for at least one vote. Okay. We left good. out way too long. I was thought I was fired. No, uh, not, yet, no, not yet. Never. I mean, never. Oh shit. I mean, <laughs> now. <laughs> it's all right. I've got cricket. I mean, other options. <laughs> cricket options. I've got cricket, cricket options. options. Oh. It's just an expression. A cricket yeah. expression. A cricket expression. <laughs> 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 cricket the sport, right? Yes. Yeah, that, that's that. what yeah, I. We don't know what that, that is. Men. Yeah. I know how to play it. I learned how to play it. It's actually pretty fun. You got to know what a crumpet is then to play cricket. <laughs> cricket. <laughs> got to know what a crumpet is. Um, good stories, guys. That was yeah, another stellar. That was episode. a banger episode in my it was opinion. Good. Episode the the ten episode ten. Yeah. What is that? The iron anniversary silver. I don't know. I think it's paper. Ew! It's steaks. Steaks? <laughs> it's crickets. It's crickets. Oh shit! I knew it. Yeah, this, this episode 10, 10 out of ten, in my opinion. Ten out of ten out of mm-hmm. ten. Well, it'll only get better from here. Yeah. Eleven out of eleven. Next episode. Nice. <laughs> eleven out of ten. Um, anniversary on... gifts by year. I'm looking at this up. You can do that. We don't have any new reviews to talk about. Okay. Okay, so 10th anniversary is tin or aluminum, or as Rich would say, aluminium. Aluminium. Yeah, so... We're not deciding... We, like we'll I, go for tin to avoid a, a marital yeah, argument. Yeah. yeah we don't want to... <laughs> a marital It's argument. only been 10 years. We don't want to argue about how do you say aluminum. No, no. We should have we really discussed it before we all got year, together. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big a big thing we should have talked about. Do you want kids? How do you say aluminum? Josh was asking us, do we want to brood? I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> do you want to brood? Sorry, I got COVID. Um, <laughs> Don't tempt it. It's already happened. Yeah, yeah. can't get it again so swiftly. <laughs> um, That's not good. On that note, we're going to close the cover on this week's compilation. Yeah. I left the gap. I left the gap that time. Uh, but so- I did it. I did it while you were talking. <laughs> yeah, you, you ruined it a little bit. Yeah, don't time. bother leaving a gap on the show, I think, is yeah. the lesson we need to learn. <laughs> don't try, Rich. Let's go. But first, <laughs> some housekeeping. Uh, we now have a Patreon. So you can find us at patreon.com slash bros. B, the letter, for the number pros. 
So mm-hmm. uh, if you like what we do and want to support us, you can head over there and give what you can. We have a couple of tiers. Our first tier, Pen Pals, is $5 a month. Um, you get to suggest prompts. You get access to the written stories. You get any other behind-the-scenes content that we want to put out. Mm-hmm. Whenever you can, we you do that, you can tell where I'm at. You can tell where I'm at, like self-esteem-wise, that I gave myself the lowest tier. I was gonna say you didn't have to do lowest that. tier, but highest percentage of fans amount of. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hender Saints is the next tier, and that's ten dollars a month. You get all of the above, uh, plus access to our side podcast redesigned by committee where we design our own show based on an established ip like uh batman or kojak <laughs> kojak. kojak i'm just yeah. gonna pick a, a, a random second thing every time i describe it yeah it's relatable kids know what that is we did star wars for our first episode we did yeah. and it was really fun really fun and we've got some really good comments on it as well which is really nice um, can't wait till i do my kojak star wars crossover you guys are fucking <laughs> name name what is Kojak's first name? Ko. Ko. Uh, good job. <laughs> <laughs> we both said Ko. Anyway, you idiots don't know anything, wikipedia.org. Uh, <laughs> you guys don't Bo- know anything about fucking Kojak. Like, Bo- uh, his Bo- name is Kojak. Theodore Theo Kojak. Thank you very much. Oh, um, man. That's just, they retconned it. It's Ko in the later episodes. <laughs> Co-Jack. Jack. Yeah, our first episode's um, on Patreon now, so you can listen to it if you pony up $10 a month. Um, And then our higher tier is Master's Pieces. That's $20 a month. You get all that, plus uh, when we release our year's compilation in physical form, um, in a printed format, you every Master's Pieces backer will get a PDF early copy of the book. They'll get a creative con. credit in the physical volume and as a little side thing I, <laughs> any character who kissy. any character who pledges us $20 a month I will name a character after in <gasps> a story that I do so the first one I did um, Heath um, one of our patrons you are now Technomancer's son so there you go that's why his name was That's Heath. That's why his name was Heath. Heath Robinson. Oh, we made fun of who Heath's was, name. Do you guys want to be first... a character in my story and get horribly murdered by a cricket man? I could do that. Yeah. But... Do you guys want to be a character in my story where I insult you and say I fuck your mother in various <laughs> different ways? <laughs> but, um, yeah, and I'll continue to do that. Um, but if you want to be in a Jeff or Josh story, you can um, message them privately and they can say yes or no. It's entirely uh, up to just, them. Just say whose to- whose story you want to be in. Yeah, I'm sure Josh is is as down as I am with shoving you into one of the stories and killing you. Yeah, yeah, I'll shove you <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> There's also a uh, Timmy Blackcrest tier for sixty nine dollars a month. Um, <laughs> he was in the episode. He was, he you was, gotta you gotta help him. You gotta He's help him. Really looking bad. The more money that Timmy Blackcrest gets, the more you might be able to save him one day from being the Technomancer. Oh, Jesus. Rich Masters, why are you lying directly to our patrons? <laughs> um, give them hope, Rich. Just give them hope. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. Uh, no, I'm not going to do this. Let's do the prompts first. Yeah. Let's do the prompt. Prompt bot. Yeah. Can you can you power up the machine, please? <laughs> Beep. 
The audience is now deaf. I love that. Our first one is Chases from Chris. No second name, but I've given him a snappy nickname of Chris, our saviour has come. That's amazing. Merry Christmas. Um, our second one, prompt bot, please. <laughs> our second one is Hermits from Hermits. from Proto Dam, and I've given him the nickname Proto Dam Son. Where'd you get those arm cannons? Oh fuck yeah! <laughs> what was That's the first amazing. one again? Chases. Chases, Chases and Hermits. Chases from Chris, our savior. Our savior has come. And um, Proto-Dam son, where'd you get those arm cannons? Gave us Hermits. Man, I can't wait to write Hermit Death Race 2000. This is going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> um, Man, maybe I'll do... I have a sci-fi story idea. That... Don't Ooh. tell them! Sci-fi horror. <clears throat> no, nah, there's no horror in it. It's oh. just sci-fi. Hermit Event Horizon. <laughs> I will point out that in like the second episode of the show, Rich yeah. did fantasy. Yeah, and I had to quickly retcon it to be like a fantasy <laughs> sci-fi planet. Why did you do that? Well, you didn't have to. Well, mainly because I wanted to tie in the Mothman prophecies, and they were all uh, supposed to be in a sort of like digital, um, or like see a temple. You have to stay in your fucking lane on this podcast. (laughs) If you step outside of it, you're dead. You're You're done. So tell us more about this sci-fi story. Oh, it's spooky. (laughs) It's so scary. You guys are going to love it. (laughs) Oh my god. I don't think I'm going to do it. No, do it. uh, (laughs) I don't have have a middle or an ending, so there is that. (laughs) Okay. That is important to a story. I, I, I want to do more horror. It's uh, it's weird to me to be writing horror since I've never done it before this show. You're very good. Dude, at you're it. like Stephen King Jr. What are you fucking talking mm. about? I'm the king, all right. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm going to... King of the crickets. Stop. I mean... <laughs> oh, shit. Stephen Flyman King of the... <laughs> Stephen Uses. Flyman, you're the king. Stephen King, a big <laughs> fan of the podcast. That's what I've heard. <laughs> Who isn't? Who means well, he's not anything. on Twitter anymore, so... No. <laughs> I mean, speaking of Twitter, you can also follow us on Twitter for as long as it lasts, uh, as long as uh, self-imposed ruler douchebags don't bury it for everyone. Yep, at, yep. At the bros... Yeah. The, the true <laughs> technomancer. At bros before pros pod, and that's bros... Letter B, number four, pros pod, uh, where you can find out all details about the show... Also, go give us a review on iTunes. Um, it really helps. Uh, uh, well, if it helps if it's good. Um, you we can say that. We legally can't tell them to give us a good review. <laughs> you could go on iTunes and give it. us any review you want. Mm-hmm. Two. <laughs> there we go. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, That's it. but uh, any place you want to speak about us, go on Reddit and talk about us on Reddit. Um, I saw a nice thread on the Continue Reddit that was talking about us. Yeah. Um, that got us oh, a few wow. fans. Um, if you go on our podcasts and talk, uh, raise a... I don't know how to fucking use Reddit. Shill talk about... Yeah. Do a post. Yeah, make do a, a post. post. Make, a, Sh- make a thread. Fucking do shill whatever. for us, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it would really help. 
we're sitting at about um, we get about a thousand listens per episode over like a three week period, which is great. Um, but if we want this to go further, we're going to need your help. Um, so anything at, you can at, do. At this point, a Kickstarter is not feasible. So yeah. we need to get more listeners so we can get more money, so we can make more <laughs> book. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I need blow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got to get uh, that schneef going to get my stories going. At, I mean, you know? we have a while. We have like yeah. 16 more episodes before the book needs to be made. Yeah. What's what's the sixteenth anniversary? That's that would be <laughs> our twenty sixth episode. Coffee or tea? Well, there you go, Rich. Perfect. Twenty six is art. Well, so there, there you go. go. There you the go. two it's things you guys good. love the most: coffee, tea, and art. <laughs> I love asses the most. I don't know what you're talking. Mm, about. Which one's what asses? anniversary is that? Uh, assiversary. Mm, <laughs> Thank you for uh, that pity laugh, Rich. It was good. Fifty. Three is plastic. <laughs> plastic seems like it should be a much earlier one. Yeah, well, this was made in the 40s when mm. plastic was like, what is this space substance? <laughs> Wizardry. It's made with oil. The future oh, uh, is oil. By the way, if you need literally any information or any link uh, for Bros Before Pros, you can head to brosbeforepros.card with two R's dot co. Yeah, just in case mm-hmm. Twitter does collapse and we don't have another home. Uh, yeah, you can find out all the information yeah. about us there. Eventually, um, I'll try and get bro. Well, no, I probably shouldn't say that on the show. Huh? Somebody. Okay. Yeah, there's it. a bunch of other things. <laughs> yeah. that we could, you know. Yeah, I'm gonna get JeffJoshRich.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So anything you guys can think of to do, uh, run a bake sale. <laughs> Charity Bros Before Pros bake sales. Yeah. Uh, sell some Bros Before uh, Pros cookies. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What type uh, of d- merchandise would you guys like? Yeah. Shirts. Actually, hit us with that. Like, what type? What would you want on a? Sh- and here's the thing, right? Condoms. Talk amongst <laughs> yourselves about this because there's yeah. a, like what I run into with M class is people. Somebody's <clears throat> like, oh, I would love this idea, and then I make it, and then no one buys it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if if there's like a few common threads, threads t-shirts, there's a good little segue oh there. My God. Uh, we can put. A, right. I'm the we, host now. Shut up. If there's we can like put things a post in common, on, we can put a post on the Discord, and you can vote on them for the first shirt. And maybe we'll make them limited edition, so you can only get them for a certain amount of time or something like that. So if you want the shirt, you'll have to pony up the cash pretty early to get it. A flyman shirt, but it's like Biggie with the crown on. That's um, genius, actually. That is great. <laughs> I just thought of it. I'm fucking. I'm a genius. What do you want? A Mothman Prophecies uh, yeah! shirt with that would be really uh, funny. some moth hands over a, an orb, a glowing orb. A I do know what shirt. moth hands look like. So yeah, yeah. Moth hands. <laughs> Little moth legs. Then there you I go. know what they look like cartoon wise. They just I can see them in my head like a cartoon. <laughs> I wish I could draw them for you, but we're on an audio thing, so <laughs> you can get uh, Adam Frankenstein, private investigator. Yeah, right. Yeah. So there you go. There's three things. We could do any of those things. Just let us know what you want. Um, uh, big shout out to Vidizen as always for the use of his music. Um, you can find out information on him at, at underscore Vidizen underscore. Um, you can find out on where Twitter to buy his or albums. Instagram. Yeah. Um, 
he is an absolute legend and we love him and he does so many so much music for so many of the products that we're all involved in so you probably have heard about him a hundred times but you might not have bought his album so go and buy his album um, yeah and he's hot yeah he's getting he hotter is. every he's day a- he is a handsome motherfucker. It's yeah. true. It really makes me jealous that I can't be with him. I mean, that's a different podcast. I mean, be. I mean, being a cricket and him. At, fuck. One day, one day he'll find the tune to uh, to draw all lovers to him, like a siren song. That's what he's trying to do, yeah. really. Yeah. With his whole career. Hell yeah. I think he's achieved that. Yeah. God, his music mm-hmm. is so good. Yeah, Even when great. he does like projects with other people, like there's a song he did uh, with his, I think it's a duo. It might be a trio called Dream Pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, let me look up this song so you guys can go fucking get it because it's on um, Spotify and it's so dope. Uh, it's only gonna take me a second. Shut up. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm play I'm me, cool. play me out, Johnny. Should oh, I start no. the music here? Yeah, just play us out one. <laughs> okay, I'm going to start it, Start the music here, start Josh. The music. Well, actually, okay, don't start it. It's called Stellar Zone. Perfect. Yeah. And it is a banger and a fucking half. It's like one of my top ten most listened to songs on Spotify. It's so good. Yeah. No, his shit's so good, yeah. dude. Like, the he does all the music for Tapon Theater on Subspace, and it's always just absolutely incredible it's so good he really ca- he's really good at capturing the mood of something and you barely have to give him any instruction it's well, i mean true. we're lazy we don't give him any instruction <laughs> we just let him create so he's he's also really good if you have an extremely stupid idea to turn <laughs> it into a genuinely great <laughs> bop like he created the, I think it's the Jeff and Josh shoot the shit theme, which is the fucking mm. night court theme, but yeah. heavy metal. Yeah. <laughs> and he also created when we were doing um, coast to coast in ten minutes. He took the Space Ghost coast to coast theme and turned it into a hip hop beat for it. And it's so, so fucking cool. good. He did a um, version of Merry Grow Round broke down for Toon Hounds, and it's just great. It, we love it. It's just so good. He's a master. <clears throat> He's a genius. He's really good. He is a very, very good guy. Huge wiener. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he plays with on the keyboard. <laughs> um, Jeff, where can people find out more about you for now? I don't now? fucking know anymore, Rich. Yeah. That's a good question. It's <laughs> yeah. a good-ass question. Um, JeffPennington.art. Yeah, JeffPennington.art. And if you need to find me on literally anything <clears throat> else, you can go to the links section. Like, if you click links, it takes you to my card, which is jeffpennington.card with two R's.co. And there are, like, 30 fucking links on that thing. If you're on something, I'm also on it now. I've been forced. Yep. (laughs) Woo! Um, I'm also on... It probably won't be on there. I'm also on uh, Hive, which... uh, is like Twitter, but no algorithm, and uh, so far, yeah, no Hive. Yeah. Hive seems to be pretty good, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, putting my money on the Hive chips here. Yeah, like I'm pretty shocked that Hive's as good as it is because yeah. it is pretty much just Twitter in every way, except like not horrible to the core. Well, it's I mean, got that's it's got yeah. bits of Instagram, bits of Twitter, 
you know, you the the music bit from MySpace that everyone liked, where you can have music oh, on your profile. Yeah. You can have a song <laughs> on your thing. Mm-hmm. Blink 182's Damn It. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, where can people yeah. find out about you? Uh, you can uh, go to continueshow.com and watch episodes and go that links you to YouTube, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do a show with Jeff called M Class Podcast where we talk about Star Trek every other week. Uh, that website go- is mclasspodcast.com. Mm-hmm. Jeff knows that one. Yep. <laughs> what else? I'm not on any of this new shit, but I'm on Twitter still, I guess, I, I think, uh, at Josh H- at Josh Henderson 1983, H- at Henderson 1983, sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm at underscore Gmail. Jeff Pennington. Rich moved on very quickly from me, so I'm I want sorry, to guess. You, you stopped talking, so. <laughs> we move fast here, Jeff. <laughs> I'm, done, I'm done, I think. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I think I got it all. Um... Okay. What are you on there, Rich? Uh, I'm on uh, most social medias as a combination of either at Rich Masters or at Masters Rich. Um, my website is www.boldlypros.com. Um, I haven't updated it for about uh, six months, Look but it will get updated synergy, soon. though, right? You're on a podcast <laughs> yeah. called Bros Before Pros, boldlypros.com? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there'll yeah. be another prose thing in the background <laughs> in the future, probably. They yeah. definitely won't. <laughs> Damn, I don't um, know about this. All right. <laughs> and uh, I, I do a podcast with my good friend Smithsy uh, called Toon Hounds, which you can find at Toon Hounds on Twitter. And we do another podcast called uh, Tapon's Theatre on Subspace. And you can find that at Tapon on Subspace or TTOS.call. I'm a big That's fan it. of the dot cool. <laughs> dot cool. Everyone loves the dot cool. So, <laughs> next time's prompts are hermits chases. and chases. I'm going to say them now so I, and write them down so I commit them to memory so I don't name them okay. runaways or homeless people or something like that. <laughs> Vagabonds and... <laughs> Vagabonds and foot races. Um, <laughs> the only other thing I want to talk about is if you want to suggest a prompt, you have to be a Patreon, a, a patron at Patreon. And what we're doing is that you could submit one a month. So what I've been doing is I've been writing a list, but I don't. I black out the second option you put on the month and then add it to the next time. So yeah, we've got about thirty-five at the moment. Um, don't tell them any of this. <laughs> we have none. Sausages made. But I we don't, don't have any. Don't, we need more. <laughs> <laughs> we always need more because there are some weird yeah. ones in there that I don't want to have yeah. to do. Like fucking frogs. <laughs> yes. We need you know more. What, and we also have no patrons. So please become a patron. Yeah. We need you. Yeah, we're poor. Have none. We're Patreon.com <laughs> slash bros so before pros. So hungry. Feed us, please. Please, 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 sir. Please, sir, we want some more money. I need some porridge. (laughs) How will I clean all five of my chimneys? (laughs) There he goes. There we go. See you in two weeks for another chapter from the Book of Blood. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. (laughs) Bye.